1: to grind the hardcore podcast i'm patrick
2: i'm bob and i'm tom
1: and today we are going to talk colloquially and and casually and uh uh w- w- what's the word for uh in the moment what what is that um extemporaneous uh and we're gonna have some fun and before we do that let's have fun with some sponsors.
3: Boom, boom. Let's start with Closed Casket Activities. Uh, everybody's going to go to ClosedCasketActivities.com. Uh, fill your cart with everything you can. Uh, just because if you don't do it quickly there, it'll be gone. Exactly. So I could point you in the direction of the Regional Justice Center Crime and Punishment record. Up for pre-order. can still get some of those. Uh, I could tease that, hey, Gate Creeper fans unexpected reality you might have some unexpected surprises in the store this week so uh, they might be up now they might be up a little later I'd keep my eyes out because I bet whatever it is it's is going to go quick but right now we're gonna talk about the Gulch LP mm. um, which as uh, as the informed will know yo Gulch we've been repping them for a while feel pretty good about them closed gasket activities got behind them last year to release the Impenetrable Cerebral Fortress LP. Um, Tom, I'm pretty sure you know. Patrick, do you know which what pressing this LP that came out eight months ago, what pressing is it on?
1: I could not even guess.
3: Third pressing. Okay. So, again, behind the curtain, this is available Friday of the week we're recording. So, is that three days, four, four days, I guess, before this comes out? Um. Here's uh-huh. the I, I teased before we actually started recording. Uh, our, our buddy over there, Justin, told me how how many hours do you think this record has been available for sale? If you had to guess hours, would you be shocked? Would you be shocked if I told you it was? It hasn't been available for a total of twenty four hours yet. And, and these are full pressings. This isn't that like, hey, hundred records, boom, up, gone. This is full pressings, so we're talking several thousand records. A um, Best of luck to all the Gulch fans out there. Uh, looks like there's three colors available. Strongly recommend heading over there. Uh, I mean, what else is there to say about Close Casket Activities? I, I think that despite the love he gets and that Close Casket Activities, the label gets on this podcast, uh, he could, could and should deserve more because the records he puts out end up largely shaping the music scene. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. Shout out to shout out to Close Cascade Activities. Go shop. I hope that the records are still there when you get there. Let's go to another friend.
1: Death Wish Inc. Tom? Oh, you mean Shore Core Sheehan?
2: The Shore, because I live down there. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't get like the keychain or whatever that we we're supposed to get. Um, oh. I didn't get a fish. I didn't get the underdog <laughs> smile. But, you know... I was an honor, honorable, but I think I got invited oh, yeah. by people that weren't in it anyway. It was, whatever, it's a big thing. <laughs> okay. So they're like, Yo, that's okay. you know, like, you, like I don't wait, know if the dude can tell me that I'm Shorecore because I don't think he should, I, whatever. Did you see that he was complaining about old
3: people complaining on the internet?
2: It's like a mirror facing a mirror. Um, yeah, right. Spider-Man. <laughs> so, um, Death Wish. Death Wish. You go to DeathWishInc.com um, one of my favorite bands and a low key um incredible band that I think has sort of been lost to the sands of time, um, was a band called Die One Sixteen, which is um one of the only so it's it's Gavin from Burn, Andrew Gormley from Rorschach, um I f- think Manny from Still Suit might have been in it at, at a point. Um they've had a they had a ton of um band changes, but they uh when Burn and Deathwish hooked up to do that LP, Gavin, mm. like you know, they helped Gavin get the Die One Sixteen material back out there. Um, they did a full run. Hey, it just popped up. That's wow! This is crazy. So yes. sorry. Um, so they put a run out of new Die One Sixteen shirts. If you haven't checked out Die One Sixteen, I cannot recommend them enough. Uh, Gavin is is a riff writer par excellence is very few guitar players in punk and hardcore history that are as great as him or as kind of inventive as he is. Um, but Dino 16, I just bought a Dino 16 shirt. That's why I freaked out because I yeah. just saw my purchase pop up on the bottom of the desk. Oh, because I'm that's like, cool. I'm looking at this and it's like Dino 16. Like everyone in Brick and Barnegat this summer are going to be fully dripped in <laughs> Dino 16 gear. True. It's like going to be dudes in flip flops and Dino 16 shirts. It's going to be fucking weird. Yep. But mine just it's a good shirt though, man. It, that's a good there's shirt. Several good shirts they got. Like three or four different designs, different colors. I like this damage control one. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's the one I bought. I bought the black one. Um, nice. But I just my name. It's like someone in Woodside just bought a Diamond Sixteen. Shirt. I was like, oh man, that's actually me. So this is these are all real in real time. You would- see people buying stuff.
3: Someone in Ellisville bought a Downset Check Your People record. Yo, this is the Death
2: Wish Reads from now
3: and it's All three of us just sit here and read what that little pop-up box is.
2: Someone from Chula Vista bought a Nick Pyle Mirror Man Giclee print. These are like – this is such a cool idea. I mean like I don't know of any other website that's ever done this sort of stuff. But seeing like what other people are buying is such a fucking fun
3: activity. Someone in Evanston, United States, just bought a cult leader. Nothing for us here, black t-shirt. Oh, That's kind of cool. I like this shit. So yeah, go Maybe to we'll do a whole episode where we read the Death Wish pop-ups and just have like uh, – it's like the reverse of pop-up video. <laughs> it's, it's a pop-up podcast and whatever pops up oh, – someone in brick just purchased a 108 heart black shirt. Whatever pops up, we talk about that for a few minutes.
2: And I'm going to like palm a click. I'm going cl- like to have a clicker like the umpire and count how many sunbather pop-up because I feel like that one is still kind of
3: – That's a common that's a hot sure. I- That's
2: a hot item. So, Tom, where do we go? We go to deathwishinc.com. Mm. And just tell them that we sent you. Yeah, hit them. Time and pressure—the gateway him. city. Someone in Woodland Park, probably Kansas. Kansas, I would think. Woodland Park just bought oh, the uranium. Yeah.
3: Nice. Uh, and thank you also to to live a lie and run for cover, our other wonderful sponsors. Please go support them, guys. How's it going? What are we doing today?
1: Uh, I think we're sh- I think we're shooting the shit.
3: Yeah, we're chilling. We're gonna answer some mail. Uh, we haven't done Mail in a little while. This is a good one. Figure that. Uh, we also had a chance to talk to a homie, our buddy Chris Enriquez, drummer in the band On the Might of Princes, later in a band Gracer, later in even more bands, and he kind of gets into that. We we chopped it up with him a little bit last week, uh, decided to save it, put it on to the end of this episode, so give a little more content. Hope you guys enjoy that. Uh, but for now... Let's get in here. Pat, have you had any wacky hijinks this week? I feel like we haven't gotten any wacky hijinks from you this week.
1: Um, how wacky? Uh, You know, I love my Citizen app, my my little snitch app. And I went for a, a walk uh, to... So for people that are LA people that are vegan, there's uh, Doomies, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of... It, it's a... It's above food swings, there's no doubt, mm-hmm. uh, but it's in the same type of, you know, it's it's not good for you, you know? It, it it happens to be vegan, but it's not good for you. And some people shit on it, other people really enjoy it. Uh, I like the off-menu stuff. There's this dinosaur egg that's just... But it's self-abuse mm-hmm. when you eat it. You don't, you're not necessarily yeah. feeling good. But uh, they opened a Mexican restaurant next door, same owners, uh, and the portions are big and if I'm, here's what I realized on the, the very Albani rare occasions I'm right depressed, there. very rare occasions that I'm depressed. I don't eat, mm. but when I'm anxious, I just want to eat. It's all I want to do. So, uh, I've had a lot of work and, uh, instead of doing it, I've just been eating. And How, how's I, the
3: Mexican food pretty good?
1: It's pretty good. I like the nachos. And when I, but here's the thing. When I went for that <clears throat> sojourn to, to the uh, Mexican spot, uh, the citizen app on four different occasions, I was 600 feet from violent crime <laughs> and it was, I get home and Eric says, yo man, what's going on? And m- my citizen app has just been going crazy. And I show him where I was on the, on the walk. It, I was, I think there was, uh, it, two armed robberies, a stabbing and and a uh, group fight. And, <laughs> and you're like Walter no,
2: Mitty, just walking in between everything, not realizing <laughs> Yes,
1: I, I'm, I'm the Forrest Gump of violent crime. and <laughs> he, he, here's, uh, here's what makes that entertaining to me though, is <clears throat> that shit you know, there's people in the comments saying that LA's changed, this neighborhood has changed, blah, 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 blah. And that might all be true. But uh, it's also very possibly true that we're all just aware of this stuff because of the citizen app. And at any given time in our lives prior to this, we've been 600 feet from violent, violent crime always. Fact. Fact. And, and that's an interesting thing to think about. <clears throat> uh, how much, how much, uh, I forget what kind of bias that is, but, uh, uh, when you become aware of a thing that that's all you can see, you know? Um, but that's certainly how it's felt uh on the weekends here lately because there's just for whatever reason it's just been very chaotic. Uh samurai sword at the seven eleven uh was a good one. Um pitchfork was a good one. And uh Torch and Cable. Those are three assaults that have happened in in, in the in wow. The I think I went around. to that
2: show in like nineteen ninety eight. Torch and cable, <laughs> torch and cable. <laughs> perfect nineteen 19- yeah noisy. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Perfect <laughs> nineteen ninety eight core. Um Yo, Tom, I was thinking about this because you're you're in New York, but you're also in, you know, pandemic New York. Have you found any anything that you've enjoyed more during the pandemic? Have you found any like takeout spots that you've enjoyed more or discovered anything? Because it's weird. I, I feel like in a city like New York. You end up with certain habits, but because of this, you're almost forced to do different stuff. Have you discovered anything new or enjoyed anything about this shit uh,
2: experience we're all going through? Um, The only, I mean, a new thing, can't say I've enjoyed much at all, but the new stuff, so they opened up, and if Patrick ever comes back to New York and we ever record in person ever again, um, they opened a, a, a restaurant, literally like. Four hundred feet from my um, apartment, called uh, the Boliv- Bolivian Llama Party.
4: Okay, all right,
2: I'm in. All right, and it's just like random Bolivian food, but it's kind of like you know, it's it's Americanized, probably you know, for uh, us idiots <laughs> with no palates. But they have like jackfruit sandwich. Like they have a bunch of vegan options oh. too. Um, pretty great. Bolivian. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, I I, mean- I got into Wandavision the last like week and a half. Mm. I held off on that.
3: I think you picked the right time to get in because I know there were some people who, after week one, episode one and episode two, were like, the hell am I watching?
2: And uh, business really picked up the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, people like it. Yeah,
2: my concern was that, like, I don't know enough mm. to um to get the, like, did you see what was yeah, behind like the him? Easter eggs, um, Yeah, like, right. I don't. I watch the YouTubes and I'm like. There's one guy, this is made me think of Patrick.
4: Yeah.
2: There's one dude who like popped up in my like algorithm because I watch I watch New Rock Stars, which is like some um uh YouTube account that just does like we're gonna break down the newest, you know, Falcon and Captain or whatever. Uh, oh, okay. Falcon, sure, Falcon sure, whatever sure. the fuck the show's called. There's another guy who watches um trailers and the episodes at one quarter speed. Wow. So they can point out everything. They're like, "Did you notice the curtains in the back in episode five made an M? So this is based on the House of M." Blah blah blah. I'm like, holy! <laughs> <laughs>
1: like
2: I couldn't enjoy stuff if I was looking at that. that if that, that, that kind teach. of. What about people who only enjoy it in that way? It's really weird, right? I mean, I guess that's cool, but I just like some of the stuff they bring up and like the new like the other website that I was like the other account, like they're like this first appeared in, you know, this PlayStation 2 game. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, we're, "Oh, we're not even talking movies here." <laughs> not even talking comics. Yeah, we're they literally talking. like, yeah. "Wait, it's like it's here's the comic books. Here are the the games that are part of the canon." This is all for like Star Wars stuff primarily. So it's like video oh, yeah. games, comic books, oh, yeah. the other books. And then they'd be like, <laughs> but not blah, 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 because that's not considered ca- – it's like, yeah. holy fuck, how do you keep this all together? Um But I thought um, WandaVision was kind of – it ended up being kind of fun. Um yeah. I'm watching it without like a ton of background, but I think it's pretty cool. I think I think
3: it's yeah I think it's also I think this this week's episode uh, which will have aired by the time people hear it I think we're due for some really cool stuff I think it's gonna be a great one yeah it's like um, fucking X it's files and weird shit yeah it's great yeah PK have you watched it at all
1: uh, no I have not I, uh, TV is rough on me
3: I know I know that's why I asked inquisitively uh, I think I don't know I, I, it's it's well done I think it's well done it's it's MCU fair done with an attention to detail that i think puts it in you know if you watch this thing straight through it would feel like an mcu movie
2: Mm. you know so and they do the period Um, stuff like incredibly well
3: oh very well very well done uh tom the the world of youtube that you're in i am so i'm waist deep in it because my son loves the video game youtube stuff right like theories um if you ever want to get really deep the legend of zelda youtube nerdery is unreal and these videos have hundreds of thousands of views and they're like youtube videos that range between five and five minutes ten minutes two hours long lots of theory videos um it's it's outrageous and uh I appreciate it, but mostly, mostly in a way that I can get pretty, pretty in the weeds on on lots of topics. But this you is, don't say. We <laughs> yeah, all do, right? That. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here we are. Um, but it, but it's it's wild how crazy these are. So I mean, um, they
2: make. I'm sure these folks. It's their whole oh, living.
3: Oh yeah. Oh, there's some monetization going on. So so bless up to the YouTubers. Shout out to Celtic and nintendo black crisis and Masked nintendo bandit those are some of uh some of our favorites and what's wild tom you identified it uh, would you say new rock stars yes easton knows some of these youtubers by name and I, i'm sure anyone with a kid out there isn't surprised by that oh it's great like yeah. th- it's like oh that channel oh he's got a new video cool he's good
2: yeah no one uh, watches tv anymore they just watch youtube yeah
3: I, I mean i think it's just it's weird i, I said i was talking to someone because we were talking about watching sports watching basketball and it was like something about this and then we were talking about i was like yeah it's like the only reason i even have i have cable because a oh man's work internet paid for etc package deal whatever um but i was like yeah i get to watch you know a grip of basketball games every week but then uh I was like, yo, I was trying I was like sitting there like, yo, let me I was before the Super Bowl, which is going to be our segue here. Um I was like, yo, I'm just going to flip around like old school, just channel surf. There's so many channels that that it's too much. And even though I have five streaming platforms, those are easier to navigate than basic cable at
2: this point. It's fucked up. Yeah, I mean it's yeah, it's, I mean and some of the channels are like you're paying for them inherently. Yes. Um but they're useless. Yes, correct. Oh, yes. So um, to get into this,
3: first question, uh, hitting the mailbag, speaking of the Super Bowl, though this question is from September, Sam asks, which hardcore front person would have the best call at the line of scrimmage as an NFL quarterback? So that's the, you know, right 84, right 84, motion, Nebraska, Nebraska, you know? I'm saying Joe Infest. Ooh, that's Mm. a good one. Uh, I think Scott Vogel deserves mention. Oh, absolutely. You know, he's a
2: barker. Yeah, I mean, Joe Infest, people will be, like, running into each other in in midfield because no one's going to understand what he said. Vogel is very clear, at least. You know what I mean? And he's very, like, he projects.
1: Yeah,
3: I'm trying to think of another good one. Patrick, get in here. Chime in.
1: Brian neglect.
3: Ah, yeah, there you go. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. I think between the two of you, being both being hardcore vocalists, Tom, you're clearly, uh, clearly the winner. I believe, <laughs> just because you have more, you're, you're you're rougher, Patrick. What's your roughest vocal, like roughest vocals that you've done on recording?
2: It is
1: a Good question. Yeah, probably SWAT. SWAT okay. has a couple of aggressive moments.
3: It does, yeah. But you never get to like. It never feels gruff, gruff. You know what I mean?
1: No, it's all, it's almost it, it, for the most part it, it borders on uh, uh, kind of uh, snide almost. But uh, there's a couple there's a couple aggressive moments. I would like to be. I just don't have a naturally deep voice it's a very frustrating thing for me. Um, like Tom sings at a high register, but it's consistent. it feels like he's supposed to be. whereas yeah. my voice is not high enough to be interesting uh, and it's just a shit voice It's very frustrating to uh, <laughs> it's frustrating to uh, do something for hundred and fifty years and uh, you know not not have a natural have any natural talent. <laughs> Fuck. It. You you have lots of
3: personality in the voice though. Oh, and absolutely. this is you've done a lot with it. Like, oh, this is I can get to this, but please go ahead so we don't step on what you were going to say.
1: No, no, no. It's it's like uh it, it's rough when when you've experienced like any visibility whatsoever. There's a kid who is hearing that going, "You bitch, you get to tour around and do the things you want to do in music. Don't cry about having a bad voice." And I get it. There's certainly like yeah, I've maximized what you can do on a shit voice, but it is, uh, you know, I, I, the older you get in a thing, in a craft, the more you would like to be good at it. You know what I'm well, saying? You, so like, I it,
3: think it, you've gotten pretty good. I mean, you're, you're pretty I got good. gotten
1: better. Well, better. so
3: I wanted, this is going to be a good segue for both of you, uh, on topics. And, and, uh, this is where the mailbag leads us, <clears throat> Tom. How often do you and we kind this is a nugget that launched from an episode probably eight weeks ago how often do you when you record how often do you then listen to your voice and listen to the recording and like how often have you listened to some of your records I'm not saying like you you throw them on all the time but but when the record is new how often have you
2: given your voice a listen um like pretty consistently well I think there's a time it's like it? When it's finally done, you don't want to hear it just because you've listened to it. You listen to, like, half a song a thousand times in the studio. Right. Because they're like, what do you think of that? Like, you you have heard these songs, like, to the point that you'll never want to hear them again. But right. I think, like, once they're, like, mastered and, like, they're ready to come out or – I mean, quite honestly, like, the current band, is Colossus, is the only band that, like, I had stuff like – Usually it's, like, Indecision, I had, like, a tape yeah, or a CD <laughs> of it. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. Yeah. So, like – you know, it, it it would it would take us a while to get something back. I mean, I would listen to it just because it's like, you know, as much as Pat and I are kind of downers about our own stuff, like, yeah, I do like enjoy it. Like to be like, hey, I didn't, I made this, sure. Like so, it's pretty frequent. and Then it kind of ta- peters out. Then it tails off yeah. once
3: it's not the new. Patrick, how about you on that same question?
1: Yeah, I uh, the first week or so it's out, I listen to it a bunch. Okay, uh, and then I typically leave it alone. For a long time, uh, but then you know, I, I tour often enough that I have to revisit things just to be refamiliarize myself with them. Um,
3: I I thought of this to ask you because, and for both of you, are there things that you found in knowing your voice, or maybe would like to know your voice better, that you do better, or are better at parts, etc. You know what I mean? Little little quirks, or or oh, when a song does this, I can do this really strongly. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. You know what I mean? You can identify that in other vocalists, would you say? Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
3: I'm I'm just, I'm putting it out there to both of you because you both like to to lunch palette, craftsmen, you know. Um the idea of and it sucks because there's a part of it that's masturbatory, right? Like, like as we just discussed, like like you know, no one's out here trying to be like, oh, I listen to my shit all the time. Uh but like, you know, you give your, your voice a listen and I wonder – it's it's a lot harder to do for self than to sit and listen to somebody else and appreciate and go, oh, when they do this, it's great, you know? But, uh,
2: yeah, but I mean, I, for we, everybody, we the it's like that. Right. Like I think we go, right. yeah, man, why didn't t- someone tell me that I didn't hold this part long enough or I phrased this weird or mm. my voice cracked here? Like what the fuck, man? You idiots are sitting there like no one told me, you know what I mean? Or like I never go like, dude man, check that out, bro. You know what I mean? Like, I never, like, I never listen to it and go, man, kill that one. I go, well, ah, I Even for that.
3: yourself, I mean, that's the thing. I think even if you're, you don't do it, to me, it's almost like the, like, oh, you know what? I can, like, shit, this shit sucks, but you know what? I might be able to pull off is this trick. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think you guys both have that. Tom, uh, w- let's talk about Colossus for a second. Because yeah, sure. People have been demanding it. Um excited ha- happy about the release it, we it kind of it kind it's been teased on axe but otherwise like to the world at large it was kind of a like boom here
2: it is yeah i i, I forget that not everyone listens to axe to grind yeah we gotta work cool. on that. I, I mean i don't know what they're doing they're missing out but yeah so it was a surprise to a lot of folks and it was, it's cool yeah i'm psyched about it um people seem to be into it um it was under the wrong person's like it was on we, we didn't check that there were other Colossus Colossi <laughs> on um on Spotify. There's a lot of bands named Colossus. Oh, okay. Um we didn't really look that part up. Um so okay. we were under like a UK like drum and bass, like jungle DJ. It's always drum and bass. They get us every time. Um so that kind of sucked, but now it's like finally on its own. Um yeah, it's cool. Like we've been able to put out um, a couple of uh, tapes. One out in Idaho. We're doing one in the UK. Um, I think yeah, I'm 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 pretty happy with it. And it came together
3: uh, as a kind of project. Obviously, it's uh, Jay Mike from Mind Force, uh, fella from Age of Apocalypse Jack. on drums, and a Jack right.
2: Um, no, he's not on drums. Jay is on drums. Right. Right.
3: Right. Right. I Jay was
2: like, out. I'm on drums. Like, he's like, I'm fulfilling my Mackie fantasy and I want my drums to sound like Normandy sound. <laughs>
3: um, and I think he did that. What is that? Na- I mean, here's the thing that's
2: weird. Is it weird to start a band in the pandemic? 100%. Because it's like, okay, you know, like it's out there. People seem to be happy with it. But like, What's the show going to look like? Is it going to be like, you know, like, that was cool. Is it going to be fucking people singing along? Are people going to mosh? We only have six minutes worth of music. Right. Like, it, yeah. I mean, it's 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 really strange to not have any kind of foothold like that preexisted the pandemic. So it's kind of like we were talking about that with uh, Pain of Truth.
4: Oh, yeah. Mal-
2: yeah. They've literally never played a show. And like that record's fucking big they get like i forget how many like they have like seven thousand monthly like they haven't played a show yet yo and and i mean a military gun no shows
3: right right like there's all these bands you're right like these are bands who like we 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 had these in our best of 2020 lists uh they're bands who when i'm thinking about it and and i this goes for colossus too like this is like oh yeah this is these are the these are hardcore bands but like we just mentioned three bands
2: no shows yeah wild it's crazy (laughs) you know and someone brought up I I won't bring him up just like his name up but like there was a thought it was like do you think like the pandemic will adversely affect like the influx of new hardcore kids because more often than not the live show is what gets you into hardcore yes before a record I've brought this up a bunch privately. I don't know if we've talked
3: about it here, but the last person I talked to this about, I was like, yo, let's say you're 16, which is around, you know, when a lot of kids are 18 or 20 or whatever it is. And, uh, you, you find hardcore. I'm like, would you just get into hardcore? Like, and their answer was absolutely not. Now you might find music you like, but like getting into hardcore is a lot more than like, jamming some tunes on your iTunes
2: or on Spotify, you know? Yeah, I mean the so, the visual yeah. and the being in front, you know, and seeing the energy. That's that's, that's the five percent the, of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can't tell you how many norms came, like, you know, friends from work or relatives or like that came to see like you know, like I think I told the story before, like um and then I want to go back. I have one funny class of yeah. story. But oh uh, we have a there's more classes questions. All right. Questions. We played um uh um uh, Wow! fuck. What's the place in Sayerville? The ballroom? Uh, Um, Starland? Starland Ballroom, right? So we played with E-Town Concrete, who in New Jersey, Mm -hmm. it's like playing with Iron Maiden. It's fucking ridiculous. It was like 2,500 people. It was like ridiculous. It was the first time my mom and one of my older sisters came to see us. Oh, wow. Never been to a show. My little sister had come to see us a couple of times, but never had come to a show. And like, you know, seeing the – you know, we play – shows actually pretty fucking nuts you know in a big room yeah, like that people sure. are singing it's great you know and i get off and like my mom was like i finally get it mm-hmm. like now mm-hmm. i know what you've been doing with yourself like going <laughs> like when you went to europe for fucking two months at a time or now i see mm-hmm. why you do this and i was like exactly like if i would have been like hey mom sit down i'm gonna pop in the unorthodox cd enjoy like and she's gonna be like this is garbage <laughs> Right, but when she sees the energy and sees all the people, she's like, "Here, she everyone know the words." It's oh, tough. Like, I, I see why this is appealing. Yeah, right. you know, and I think that's a that's a scary thought that there's going to be, you know, a couple of years worth of folks that are like not privy to that. PK. And if they're later starters, let them start late. We we cannot be choosy.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a fact. That's true. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just I think it's inevitable that there's there if not a slowdown uh, of new people getting into hardcore, it might be different people for a while, or it might just change the landscape. uh, And there's no way to tell there because it's a changing landscape anyway. Like for example, uh, we're talking about the physical act of being someplace and a social, uh, a social dynamic. Those are two things that are wildly different now so I it's, it would, I mean, we're not going to know the long tail on this for a long time. Uh, In every way. Yeah. in in every single way, Uh, I'm, I'm pretty fascinated by it, but uh, it's also not, it's not the way that I want the world to go. So it's all for me. It's also, uh, I mean, like most people, I think I say, you know what? Okay. Let me rephrase this. Many, many people, are more comfortable with this circumstance than I would have ever imagined. And,
2: and they're called depressed uh, people.
1: Yes. I mean, yes. that's I mean uh,
2: quite honestly, because like as a depressed person, not having to go places, not the worst.
1: <laughs> Tom, I'm I, Tom. I'm glad. I'm glad that you said that because I, I, uh, I, I don't really suffer from depression. So I can't like, if I make big assumptions like that, people get mad. But the fact is that there seems to be a lot of people and a lot of people who are maybe depressed, and also they're like me—they like community on their own terms. So they like an. Right. I want the option.
2: I don't want to do it. Right. I just want to be able right. to know I can do it. Right. I'm probably but not going people, to. I'm going to sit home. But it's cool with the Tom, option and be like, maybe I can get a slice of pizza with Audley. You know what I mean? Like that's that's nice.
1: But Tom, now imagine that you have any of the sort of uh, depressive feelings that you had you're on and off your whole life. But imagine that you're twenty and COVID just absorbed the last two years of your life, year and a half of your life. Like five percent of your life. uh, Yeah, right. Now now that's a different trip, right? Because uh now younger people bounce back from things faster, but they also they also normalize really fast. Yep. And I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a weird landscape. <laughs> it's it's going to it's going to be odd for a while.
3: I I you know, recurring theme. I'm really I really feel for people in that range of like w- for both of you. I mean, there's been large stretches of my life where being more social or more active was was something I just did on the regular, you know. But really, 18 to 22, I was bouncing all around the goddamn place. Uh and to have that disappear, you know, speak strictly in a hardcore sense. If you took shows away from me then, damn, one, I'd probably be way better at video games than, than is <laughs> should be legally allowed. Two Oh, gee, uh, like you'd be a Twitch millionaire. I don't, yeah, right. I haven't, right. <laughs> I have no idea what I would do with myself. I, I, it's, it's almost hard to think about. So, shout out to all the, the COVID soldiers who've had to deal with losing that, you know, like that's, that ain't nothing small. Like that's, that's rough. Um, last question on Colossus when are, and this is a crazy thing to say since you dropped your record
2: like less than a month ago, when are we getting more material? Mike's working on some stuff. There, they want to. Um, I think your boy brought the heat, so they're like, "All right, we could do this." So I think they're interested in doing more stuff. Uh, we talked about maybe looking for a partner to do a split seven-inch with or something. Ooh. Um, Ooh. I mean, Mike's just ridiculous, and he just <laughs> shout out to Mike. Like he he's just plays, and he has he has I he literally has another band going mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. some folks, friends of ours, and another thing he's doing on his own. It's just, it's dumb. Oh, my funny colossus story. Oh, yes, please. So, um, friend of the pod, Greg um, Pikachu. Falcetto, yes. Mongoloids, yes. Sends, um, I get like a text message from him. And it's just, you know, like when someone sends you like an Instagram and it doesn't like pop up, it just says like Instagram.com. Yeah. So I click on that and it opens up um, to like a story of this like young, like Af- African American kid. And he's like, you know, like when you get in the car and like it's, your car is blasting the last thing you played while you were in the car? And he's like, this is what manager Greg was listening to. And he he pans to the to the driver's seat and Greg's driving and Greg was listening to Colossus.
3: Oh, that's awesome.
2: <laughs> so now I was like, oh, that's funny. And I was like, oh, why is your boy dissing us or whatever? And then I look, the kid's got six and a half million followers. I was like, yo, he couldn't have thrown me a fucking at? Come on, bro. Like you could have hooked this up. But I think Greg was like not trying to like poop where he eats. So he kind of was like, yeah. I'm not gonna be like, yo, can you shout out Colossus to your six million followers? So like it, yeah, some dude was like, This is what this fucking lunatic was listening to before I got in the car. So then I sent it to to Sam and I was like, better get that second pressing ready, man. We're we're about to hit the big
3: time. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um all right, yo, uh Quick, quick question before I get into the mailbag: uh, When is the last time Blake Griffin dunked in a, an NBA game?
2: Is that all he does? So, I mean, if he hasn't done that, then what is he? Well, that's they can't get rid of him. That's
3: right.
2: I was looking at him. I was like, you know, the the Nets need a big,
3: uh-huh.
2: and like the the Pistons are just kind of selling selling p- parts off. Yeah, I they're, was they're, like, they're they're yeah they're in the auction mode. And there is like literally there is no. I don't know what Patch has sent me. I don't know if he meant to send that to us.
1: I, d- I did it's yeah uh, if
2: you look at the tattoo it'll make sense is that him
1: no is that me no that's not me nor is it our friend
2: <laughs> oh uh, yeah so i don't know who the, okay i don't
1: well. that, that just appeared in my timeline today uh
3: bless up dude's doing well good for him <laughs> dude's doing well so it's a uh it's can a just be the mongo, mongo life xxx uh belly rocker and a uh grace
2: wet pant look we'll say
1: yeah we'll say it's Uh, a woman holding a
2: man's boner let's be if we're being honest
1: Yeah, it was in my timeline, but I, I did a double take because the Mongo Life <laughs> tattoo is so good. Yo, people who got tattoos, what year would you put this at? Two
3: thousand seven.
1: So, <laughs> so people that got tattoos at fucking eighteen in two thousand seven must have the best collection of goof nugget fucking tattoos. I I love this shit. Well, somebody had a trial tattoo.
3: Oh yeah, the time trials headshots is really good. I'm now just really intrigued at what the rest of Pat's um, screenshot folder looks like. Hey, what is your timeline? That's pretty good. That's um, Blake Griffin has not dunked in an NBA game since December 2019. Oh my god, he's getting old, and he's got a 40 million dollar a year contract. So, um,
1: <clears throat> wait before we go any further, uh, can I talk about uh, the, the funniest interaction I've seen online? Hardcore related in a while, of course. So, uh, uh, Gray Gordon uh, from mm-hmm. Fort Wayne, Indiana, mm-hmm. uh, was big upping on his uh, Instagram this band. Uh, I wouldn't know how to say this for the life of me. Talker, Talker. Okay, um, is this
2: a band from the Middle East? That's right. Okay. F- mm-hmm.
1: f- so this is a band from Morocco. Oh, cool. who, who I guess is is uh, critical of Islam in, in whatever. Facet I would I would need the lyrics to Tell me what the nuances of this are but I guess That's I guess that's what's going on here right
2: It's like like a boot stomping on like burkas And stuff it's like oh wow
1: So It it is uh, This is Fascinating on all levels Right and and I was interested enough to Click through or whatever and I start listening And it's actually I think that you'd Both enjoy it Mm -hmm. Uh but the gray screenshots, the next exchange or some exchange from his DMS or whatever, or maybe it's from uh, Facebook or what the fuck do I know? It's Sean. Help me with the last name. He, uh, uh, thank you. (laughs) Sean Mutaki from vegan, Reich, Formerly, formerly a vegan, Reich, (laughs) Saying, you know, he, he was being very disparaging of this project saying, Oh, it's just, um, you know, uh, post-colonial, uh, uh, shame, sellout stuff, like sort of like, uh, you know, Sean, so far as I can tell still is a devout Muslim and Mm. he doesn't like this messaging, but it's so interesting. If this band is from Morocco Mm -hmm. and have been living in this specific environment and are critical of it, I think it's fascinating and I don't got a thing against Sean. I don't know him. I think it's fascinating that Sean could essentially call them sellouts. That is so, (laughs) that is so fucking interesting as a concept because I'm like, like of the people on this podcast, Mm. we're all pretty much in the same place, which is we let people live on their religious beliefs, even when we think they're goofy as fuck. So I guess we're all in the same place on that. But I am next level patient and tolerant with people's bullshit. You know what I mean? I, sure, sure. I, I, and I, but I just think it's the the that circular cultural critique of I'm an outsider to your situation. I don't like your criticisms of your own situation. So fucking interesting, yeah. and so fundamentally, in some ways, hardcore. And I think it's very <laughs> interesting. So I just wanted to give a shout out to everybody. Shout out to Greg. Shout out to Talk Beer. And shout out. Shout out to Sean because I thought it was a fascinating uh, moment in, uh, <laughs> in hardcore. It's
3: it is dialogue. weird because it's On like yeah, oh, man. It's a thing I come across a lot thinking about when we talk about cultural difference, and you think about certain tenets that is part of my everyday are way outside of what I would consider cool. But where, but then it puts me in the space of like, yo, but like, I'm really not trying to go in someone else's house and tell them like, no, no, you got to wash your dishes like this. It's a real, you get real meta on it pretty quick when you start thinking about, um,
1: cultural norms, right? Actual, actual story. I tried washing a dish at Bob's house and he stopped me. Did I? Yeah, you said there's a way you prefer to do it.
2: Oh yeah, probably. <laughs> sounds, Yeah, uh, sounds sounds alright. So Pat, what yeah. do you think about um, breaking guitars? <laughs>
1: um, okay, so this will be this old out. news
2: by the time this comes out, but <laughs> it's okay. The funny. white the white guy talk about this was embarrassing.
1: Oh, uh, well, yes and no. Here's the deal: it, it's it's goofy, it's goofy, goofy, goofy stuff. But she's also a pop performer. That they do goofy shit, and if I would, Tom, here's how I saw it. I looked Be at careful. it. I looked at it and said, "I bet I'd feel real strongly about this if I was 24." And then I just kept it moving. <laughs> I didn't have another thought yeah, about. Yeah, but you know
2: what? Though? It wasn't the 24 year old's complaining. There uh, was, well, there was a point.
1: I mean, look, it's it's goofy, but yeah,
2: but you know what? though? That's what, always goofy. I feel like the freaked out, like, remember when, like, hardcore was, like, all about the the dorks in tight pants, like, freaking out as much? Like, everyone saw Dillinger's escape plan and was like, we want to do that. Yes. That was, like, the most embarrassing shit.
1: Oh, listen. But uh, here's the thing Tom, I don't know why Bridgers is Maybe Bridgers. Don't
2: act like you don't know. She lives in LA. Maybe you could be friends.
1: No. Listen, somebody, I. I couldn't be friends with her after what I saw. Not not it, it, unrelated to that. I just she did something online that I thought was foul, but it's not that.
2: won't well, you cursed but, out David Crosby. No, no, that's that Bob, did you see that? <laughs> of course, I did that little that. bitch, David Crosby. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> Good, very. He's funny. an asshole anyway.
1: listen, as we always talk about, you're supposed to kill the Buddha. You know what I mean? Like if you see him on the way, if you, if you what's that phrase? If you see the Buddha on on your path, kill the Buddha. You're supposed to kill that, your. That Kennedy your song? Scene. I have
2: no idea what that is. It,
1: it, it's just it's an expression, but you're it,
2: oh it's, yeah, very normalized, very common colloquialism.
1: <laughs> Bob, would you do me a favor and look that one up? Well, it's it, cool. So something
2: is, that oh, may oh, show oh, up on Bob, Bob, have you ever heard? If you see Buddha on the road, run him over.
1: You're not run him over. You're uh, supposed uh, to kill the Buddha. If you see the
2: Buddha on the road, kill him. Um, the
3: That's most it. important thing, it's, uh, it's a book. If you meet the Buddha on the Road, Kill Him by Sheldon Cobb.
1: No, but um, it's an expression before yeah. it's a book. Okay. But,
3: okay. The most important but, thing that each man must learn, no one can teach him. Once he accepts the, this disappointment, he will be able to stop depending on the therapist, the guru, who turns out to be just another struggling human being.
1: Yes, exactly right. Uh, or, or, in the ninth uh,
3: century the Buddhist sage Lin Chi told a monk if you meet the Buddha on the road kill him so yeah
4: there you go he uh, meant that those who
3: think they've found all the answers in any religion need to start questioning does this give you some insight into Patrick Kinlan Tom a lot yeah
1: Bob w- w- give me a Ray give me a Ray line that is uh, exactly in that spirit um it should only take you a second I guarantee it.
3: Jesus Christ no it's uh g- keep it up um uh, I know what I'm shooting for and I know what I felt and I don't got to fucking prove it to anyone because I already <laughs> proved it to myself.
1: There you See, go. That w- That's totally acceptable. I thought you were going to say the yeah. Shelter Line. Oh. Uh, fuck. Uh, a painting without a
3: painter? How could it be? I've no, it no, be. no. No. <laughs>
1: uh, uh, why should you be teaching me? Oh
3: yeah, What's- yeah. Uh, 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 before you, uh, before I get the news on you, I want the news on me. Uh, it's the news. I think is that line. What, what can you be teach? What can you be teaching? Yay. Me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's my quest. Oh, it's, it's my quest. Yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah, cool. Sorry, God, what a fucking so, song!
1: What a band! A great song. I know. Anyway, the point is. Uh, just as there's supposed to be a fucking 20 year old who thinks I'm lame as shit, Phoebe Bridgers is supposed to think that. And the only reason I say Bridge I asked about Bridgers, I wasn't being that guy that pretends not to know people's name. It There is a psyop going on where everybody's like, yo, her name was Bridges. This is fake.
2: No, this is so oh, there's an actress named, there's an actor named Phoebe Bridges. Phoebe waller well, Bridge. Ex- Walla Bridge, yeah, that's right. what it is.
1: Yeah. I have no, listen, I have no idea. I just, Bridgers is not a real name, so I didn't, it never occurred to me. But the, the point is Phoebe Bridgers knows that David Crosby is an icon and an important musical figure.
2: Yes, he rocks.
1: She's, she, in her private life, she probably listens to him. Sure. But, you know, kill the fucking Buddha. What is this guy? I mean, Fuck he's this short
2: guy. and fat, so it makes sense. By the yeah, way, can, speaking of names, it's amazing this, it's
1: live. Can we just be honest it, about this?
2: Amazing,
3: amazing. yo. <laughs> Google photos of David Crosby. How does this man have a? He one. He's wearing a hat that makes him literally look like a penis. Like they make the joke of people wearing the hat, the penis hat. He really looks like a penis. I'm sending it to the chat. Right, he does look.
2: Yeah, that looks like a. You see that?
3: Yeah, it's like it's like a wool
2: knit cap. That it doesn't – it's fucked up. Now, didn't um, he – I feel like he somehow involved with <laughs> – this is going to – I don't know if this is – I should not even say this. Um, but that he was invo- – he donated some of the parts needed for Melissa Etheridge and her partner to oh, have Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes, he did. Is that Absolutely. correct? Well, that Absolutely. wasn't a rumor. Also, by the oh, way, we're talking about – Came to her, her window. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, well that
1: part.
2: But yeah. <laughs> so, um let me talk. Hold on. Yeah, do it. You know, you're saying Bridgers is not a real name. Yes. So something that I learned last night from the podcast Meep Meep Meep, which is um a buddy Ryan who does a deep dive into all the Roadrunner catalog.
3: Oh, that's cool. I mean, <laughs> great it's name going for a great
2: crap. Name. Yeah, meep, Meep meep, very clever. Um, and he also does a wrestling thing with uh Rick Jimenez. Um Ooh. he uh He had the singer from Higher Power on. Are you aware what the singer's last name is? And it's his like his government, British government name. Power. Mm. Wizard. That's great. And his brothers in the band, his last name also Wizard. Is either of their names Grant? (laughs) No, it's like Jimmy Wizard. What makes him sound like he should be in like the Bloodhound Gang, but his name is actually Jimmy Wizard. I like it. Everyone should cool. listen to that record because I've listened to it again. Higher Power Recently, Record. It's really fucking great. 27 Miles Underwater. It's fucking great. Listen to that record. It has some tracks on it
3: that when they come into uh, the algorithm, if I'm uh, shuffling off, it's uh, they always are a, what's that song? Look at my phone moment. So shout out. Um, how the hell do we get there? Phoebe Bridgers. Yeah. Uh, my, only complaint, oh. my only complaint is that I think – she should have really smashed up that guitar more. It looked like she was kind of. It was, was that quiet. feeling of like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it was an act. I mean, clearly
2: it was an act in some way, but uh, I think she could have smashed it better. I don't know. Well, the issue was too. And Phoebe, this is where you kind of fucked up. As someone who's been in bands who break stuff, she what copped mean? to like um, she copped to the uh, thing that was all planned because that because did you notice the monitor in front of her started sparking yeah that was like a dummy monitor for her to do this
1: i heard this because people were people that know a thing about electrical equipment said um i heard it was sparking and i said i don't know i haven't really watched it and they go it's not going to do that no and i said I said, yeah, I don't know. And then, so listen, she, she's just it's like, K-
2: kept, K- like, I was overcome with emotion and I fucking broke a guitar. suck a dick.
1: It's for, it's for the rubes. And it, 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 here's my thing. If you're watching fucking Saturday night live and your biggest complaint is a pop singer destroying something fakie, you're not watching Saturday night live because that is a trash pile of shit and to be totally truthful with you, this is not going to be a popular opinion. People are going to call me a dickhead. The fact that she appeared on the show lowers her. So like, I don't give a fuck about middle America. That show is fucking trash. And if you appeared on it, the best thing you could do is fucking set the building on fire.
2: Wow. I don't necessarily agree, but it's also a I chance. Like- Yo, yeah, If drug Tom. church was, they were like, Hey, you can, you know, musical guest, Patrick Hinland and drug church, you would be there. Because it's yeah. putting you in front of more people At one point, at one time Than will have ever seen your band So like, you have to listen, do that, it may suck But you'll do it listen.
1: I'll do it because I got four people that are out voting me But I will register my vote And hope that it wins That we do not do that Because it's like, look At some point, this is where I'm at in life At some point We gotta care about the quality of things we just got to care about it. I, I'm I'm sick of reading crap. I'm sick of watching crap. I'm sick of it. I'm not a snob. So if you're fucking not able to meet my needs, we are in the goddamn gutter. So like I am. T- I don't want to support anything that is objectively a pile of shit. <laughs> so look, Saturday Night Live, turn your turn yourself around. Give us a call. But until then, I, I prefer not
3: my favorite thing is whenever Patrick uses the word objectively, because it's him trying to, it's like, uh, it's like a stabbing reality in the throat with, the, with an opinion and saying no, no, this is real. It's really good. Um, I,
1: I fucking, I mean, objectively, if anybody, it, there's not a living person who could tell me Saturday night live
3: is, is, I was trying to think of when the last time I would say it was like a, a that, that I
2: subjectively believed that it was good. And it's, uh, I'm going to send you I, both. it a while. I'm going to send you both some, well, maybe not package paddle. I could send him like a John Belushi skit at this point. He'd be like, this sucks. It's fucking
1: stupid. <laughs> hey, Tom, there, w- there was an opening. There was on the John Krasinski episode. There was a thing Who's that? that I. Who's that? It, that's the fellow from uh, The Office.
2: Oh, okay, cool. Uh, I thought you are going to go quiet space just so you didn't have to. I, I
1: almost did it. I almost did it. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, here's the deal. The episode that he was on, there was a clip that was in my suggesteds that I watched because it looked so cringy yeah. that I thought this will fulfill me in the way that I like to hate.
3: Things. Big fan of The Office figured, why not check this out? Let's see it. Yep.
1: And Draw then the it was four steps beyond cringe into some other experience. It, I don't know what to call it. And what? What? Um, what was the skit? the opening
2: song
1: by sung by the people in yeah that um, was pretty
2: terrible okay
3: so, so, so there are moments uh i don't think every saturday night live um but most that that'll get me i'll laugh but but then a lot you know it it's an hour plus program right
2: like yes yeah, yeah they, they, don't,
1: want. they dump absolute trash in the last half hour. It's yeah,
2: enough. I mean it's known like the ten, five, like the ten to after, one skit is always the weird one.
1: Yeah,
3: after after the first like I think that's a show you should turn off if you're actually watching. You turn off at musical guest
2: first first song turn off because you don't stay for strange. the 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 weekend update because I think that's always um, the only good part of it. Yo, you
3: know what I think they've. They've softened. I don't hate those dudes who are doing it right now, but uh, but but I've I've gone dry on a lot of them. So, no, I, I I think there are good skits, but it's a it's the ratio. I think they get ratioed out um, overall.
1: Uh, so uh, hold hold on. I want to I want to talk a little hardcore. I'm going to pee real quick. Do you, uh, I'm going to put a question out before I do that? Have either of you sat on a purple pillow?
0: No. Is that a euphemism? Purple pi-
1: Purple, no, it's p- a no, product. Per- it's a product that somebody suggested that I get because I, I'm struggling. I'm not. I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't meant to. Sh- t- fucking. I wasn't meant to work. You know what I'm saying? Straight out. Like th- that's just what it is. Like sit- sitting for as many hours as I got to sit is ass. So so I'm looking for solutions for my back because I start getting antsy, and mm. I got the purple pillow. I love the way it feels, but it doesn't really solve my back. But anyway, I, I thought I'd throw uh, that out to you guys. I, I'm gonna urinate.
3: Good time for a pee break. I'm going to pee too. All right, so we're
2: just just gonna stop. You want me to just like
3: you You can? Yeah, yo, tell a story. Everybody's always asking for Tom's story time. Tell a good story. Oh, that's like pressure now. Uh, I know. Well, we'll just tell like a a, a random one. I'll wait until you get started. Um, give me a topic.
4: Hmm.
2: hmm, hmm. Um. Let's see. Oh, I can. All right. So today, uh, yesterday was the anniversary of the Last Reach of Sky show.
3: Oh, there you go. Go for this.
2: Um so yeah, I we had just got someone had posted the flyer, but our uh, my buddy Busky posted the flyer. Um it was so it was a show. It was it was at the end, we uh, MPB did uh probably a three week tour um through Florida, I think, all the way up through Canada. Um with Reach the Sky, um and The Promise. And uh so the last show was the uh, last reach sky show. It was originally supposed to be at the upstairs at the palladium, which is probably about a 600 cap room. Um, and it ended up doing so well. They had to move it to the main area, which is where like the first half heart night was. And they ended up doing like 2000 people. And it was, uh, some kind of hate opened. Um, the promise played, then terror flew out as a, um, as a surprise to Ian Larrabee. Like, him and Vogel go back for a long time, so they flew out, kind of totally shocked Larry. They played MPB, Rich Sky, and Bane, and um, one of the crazier shows I've ever seen. Um, people were like, you know, uh, it ended up being my last show, too, at unbeknownst to me at the time.
4: Uh, mm. oh,
2: <laughs> thanks, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? You don't even know what I was saying.
1: Um, No, uh, Tom, Tom, real quick, did I ever tell you, I think I did, that uh, Justin asked me, he he didn't tell me that you had been, that they were going to kick you out. Uh, He said, what do you think of Rob Fusco? And it was, it was out of nowhere. So, so I was like, I mean, good, good performer, you know, Um, blah, blah, blah. And I, I think that you were exited from MPB and Rob was in like, Something like two weeks later. <laughs> oh my God.
2: Well, it's funny. I always tell the story. Like, so we're there at the show, and I was friendly with Rob at the time, you know? And uh, we're outside and we're like loading up the van or whatever. I was like, yo, you know, I was like, fucking Shia Lude needs a singer. Oh. <laughs> because Geert had just left or whatever it was. So I'm like, you know, and Geert was a fucking great front person. So I'm like, hmm? you gotta get the next person has to be, you know, pretty substantial. Hmm. So I was like, you should fucking talk to Fox, man. Like, see what's up with that. man. You, I think that would be a good, he's like, maybe I will motherfucker like,
4: <laughs>
2: like soon thereafter uh he was in i was out and um
1: whatever yes, happened they say yeah. yeah well hold on has has geert been in other shit
2: he does a band called it, it, it's similarly named to another band so i always fuck it up it's either the black atlantic or the black is pacific the black
1: atlantic? okay yeah, it's a black Atlantic. Yeah, is there a black? Is there a black
2: Pacific? I feel too? like there was, and I always fuck it up. But it makes sense. He's from from the, the Netherlands. Uh, yeah, um, but yeah, it's more kind of like a like a singer songwriting type thing. It's quite good. Mm. Um, this always brought me, this brought me right to the Shai Halud band
3: member section. And oh, it's always, fucking, incredible. it's always so massive. Um, yeah, all right, I'm, guys, I'm right there too it's it's so wild no no gear specific uh wiki somebody should do something about that um let's get into some guy. hardcore and band chat that's incredible all right casket lottery um i missed requests for bands unmentioned on the pod i have no social media shout out uh i don't you didn't leave your name scott um casket lottery they've been inactive for a bit only playing rare shows now and then here in Kansas City area but just released a new album do we have any thoughts I don't have a single thought on casket lottery
2: it's a, it's um I feel like it was at some point Jess that was the guitar player in coalesce I think that yeah. was. I kind of missed them too they're important <laughs> to a lot of folks or very important to a group of folks and it just it was I, I I don't know i I feel like I missed it at the time and they never kind of came back around to my attention. True. PK casket lottery.
1: Doesn't mean a thing to me.
2: Okay. So, uh,
3: you know what that actually, we have some episodes on deck that we got to do some listening projects. Maybe that's, maybe that'll be kind of, we still have to do my, uh, uh, what is it? Record club episode, which is Murphy's law and no effects. So reminder to you guys, let's, let's put that in the, the queue box. But, Let's do a Fresh Ears, which is where we listen to an old band. Not, you know, no, no disc, Casket Lottery. You, you've been around for a minute. Uh, we listen to a new old band that none of the three of us have really spent time with and uh, and share thoughts. So let's let's plan that for sometime in the not-too-distant future. All right. We got an email from uh, Jack who says, uh, greetings, Pat, Tom, Bob. Been a hot second since last we spoke. Hope you're doing well in the COVID-fueled nightmare we call reality. Got a couple burning questions for y'all. Yeah, you do. So I'm going to do these one at a time. What is everyone's thoughts on the first step? This was the first straight-edge band I ever listened to when I was in high school. The overwhelming positivity and energy during the last show was incredible. I've watched the video countless times and still am in awe of it. So what is everyone's thoughts on the first step?
2: Um. Having we played with them a bunch or a few times at least live, one of the more energetic bands I've ever seen. Uh, um, like incredibly energetic, and not like there's a lot of bands that I feel like put on like the false energetic, like they're like, we're fucking crazy, you know what I mean? Like, yep, everyone so at the drive in and people were like running up the walls, but they were on cocaine, like, um. <laughs> Like, you know, uh, the first step clearly weren't, but they were like super fun. Really? Like, even if you weren't like into that style of music, which I thought they were good at it anyway, but like singer was fucking bouncing. The whole band was like moving the entire time. I thought they were really good. Patrick.
1: No real familiarity aside from the fact that they were like definitely a thing. But as you know, that's that is so not my style of music.
3: Yeah, I I, I want to. I almost want to recommend you give them a. In the same, I think you have a weird appreciation for mindset. Maybe
1: it, that's because, in my view, the last mindset record was actually a hard record. Okay, uh,
4: that's right. Okay. I
1: don't know if I don't know if everybody would agree with that, but I think that for the the type of music that they were doing, they actually came very aggressive on that last record, and I think it has a lot of charm. Uh,
2: Super intense uh, live too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, all these bands are good. Let, let's just be frank. Like all these bands are good. Yeah. Like we're talking about two of the better ones in, in that world. Uh, so no disrespect, but that type of music is just, I mean, it's a hurdle for me.
3: First step, uh, saw them very early, saw them kind of in their early peak phase. And then also, uh, saw them, uh, when they kind of, when they reformed and had a slightly different lineup from the original lineup, uh, they had added Greg Bacon from California, California and Aram actually oh, talk, was playing right. guitar with them. Uh, Yeah one great bunch of guys two very sincere, very sincere in the way they acted. And you know, the positivity thing wasn't a gimmick or an act for them. I've seen them all kind of really keep that, keep that energy. You know what I mean? And I've known tons of bands who fake the funk. Um, uh, Steve from the first step is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Like, and just is unabashed about it. And I think that actually rubs some people in a weird way. Uh, and people
2: are like so cynical, and they yeah. go like, "This dude's fucking with me."
3: No, he's he's just that guy. And he's no, yeah, yeah, of course. Guy, and, and well, exactly. And I think it's uh, it's cool. um <clears throat> Some of the material is awesome. Uh, I'm a big fan of the uh, the first seven inch and the LP. And um, yeah, no, I think I think if you if you're somebody who likes fast straight edge hardcore, certainly you know people who are into youth crew stuff this band might be low-key underrated because uh, they they were doing this style in a time when not many were doing it yeah. and then continued and uh, really had no peer um, in their world. So shout out to The First Step. We Absolutely. don't really talk about them um, very often. And North they're Carolina Straight Edge. North Carolina Straight Edge and, and really put in the work. Okay. Um, this is a slightly older email. Do any... This is from end of summer last year. Apologies to this. Do any of you know that the show uh, know about the show that took place at Shakers a few days ago? Saw an article alleging that attendees had to purchase chili cheese dogs in order to get in. LOL. This oh, is we a, talked about this. Yes, so we did talk about this. Um, so let's spiral it. How do we feel about hardcore shows in the pandemic?
2: Cut it out? Let's not. Do you, yeah. Let's not oh, say yeah. we did.
1: I, I, I'm on the I'm on the fringe of this because if if the things that mattered, if the things that they say mattered, did matter, then Florida would be a fucking coffin right now. And it's not. So there's something there's something that we don't understand about this virus. And I think that both of you fellows would defer to an abundance of caution when we're talking about something we don't understand. And I'm OK with that. So I guess we yeah. all arrive at the same. I guess we all yeah. arrive at the same at the same place. But. I'm, I'm more open-minded on the subject than you fellows just simply because, I mean, and and this is not some, cons- this is not some, uh, John Joseph shit here, but, uh, if you look at it, uh, between ca- just everybody look at the number, uh, look at the stats between California and Florida and try to tell me what is going on here. And basically nobody can. So yeah because There's
3: Florida, Florida Florida has its fly open walking around and and yeah, uh, California's truly. wearing California's wearing a chastity belt
2: so, so somebody's um, lying
1: somebody's lying yes one of two things either this disease acts in it totally a, a way that is totally alien at least to the three of us as far as diseases go, and nobody's being very straightforward about what the difference is between it and other diseases uh or other viruses or uh Tom's right. Somebody's not telling the truth. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, hard to say. I don't know if I, I, if not like Gavin Newsom is any saint, but like I'm not putting much strength, much power and much belief into Ron DeSantis anyway. But I think for hardcore shows for a hardcore show to be fun. It's, it's not a thing that they, you can do. I was actually talking to somebody recently. Um, about you know like ticket they have tickets to um Furnace Fest. Oh yeah. You know and like the concern about that and all that sort of stuff. I'm like well at least that's outdoors. And it's a giant space. And like you could have you know but like I feel like f- and and I think Patrick to a, an extent like especially with Gre- with Drug Church like your tours are not going to be like you're going to be playing places that are going to be held to the the very last letter of the law. Oh, yeah. You're not playing fucking squats and shit. So, like, it's easy for, like, Drug Church to be like, let's just fucking do it. Because, like, Live Nation, or wherever you're playing, is gonna be held to the fucking fire to make sure everything's good. But, like, if it's like, you know, if Self-Defense is doing a more kind of DIY punk hardcore tour, it's a little a little different. You know what I mean? I think...
1: Although, uh, although, Tom, I'll say then we get into these like muddy waters of who do you trust? You know, because uh, uh, the, the, uh, if, if live nation in conjunction with like, for example, right now, many places, uh, the CDC is saying teachers, you can go back to work. Mm -hmm. And many teachers who previously went by everything the CDC said are saying, we don't believe you. And there's this moment where everybody has to, make a decision with their own mind on what they uh, uh, appraise the, the risk of a thing being. And uh, I, I don't know if, I don't know if a smart person trusts Gavin Newsom and live nation. I, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I,
2: I, no, because I, I, they all I have alternative you know, motives. And that's why I think the teachers are sort of like, well, now you're, you're pushing us back because like now it's fucking up people's money even more.
1: Right. But my point is, if somebody, was, if you cited somebody as a trusted source two months ago, and now they're a fucking liar, it's more likely that they were a fucking liar then, or they were, or they are a trusted source now, than they just flipped on you. And uh, they, they, they it, I, I, they're just who pick your king is all I'm saying. You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. in all things, pick your king, tell, t- mm-hmm. t- tell me who, the, t- t- tell me who, who to trust here. And, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, Everybody just reaches their limit and says, Yeah, I don't know.
3: Yeah, <laughs> you know I mean? yeah no, so, I, 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 my, my large opinion on this is, uh, you know, I, I think what's, what's, what's a good hardcore show? It's, it's people literally yelling in each other's faces and, and jumping, and on, jumping each other. on each other. Right. Like literally. <laughs> yeah. So do I think that's advisable? No, it's probably not advisable just at any time, to be very honest. Uh, but, you know, um, but I also am a pretty big believer in people's abilities to do things. Uh, do I think it's wise? No. And I, I just recommend what Patrick said is right. Pick your king and choose to believe and you got to make decisions on your own. And uh, yeah, like to be honest, I I as someone who doesn't care much about live music, I actually kind of miss live music. So, you know, maybe we'll do... They will see a self-defense outdoor show in October. Let's do that. Let's make that happen, Patrick. In a pagoda or something. Piercing pagoda at the mall. How about that?
1: We're playing playing Claire's across the country.
3: (laughs) A dude in stores at Claire's. Uh, This leads really well into question number three. Where do you think the hardcore scene as a whole falls on the political spectrum? I have some really interesting thoughts to post to you guys. And secondly, is the average hardcore kid in the U.S., more politically conscious than the average person. Um, I I think hardcore scene as a whole falls pretty progressive. I think pretty progressive. But I also fear that because of the climate of today, people are not willing to have nuanced conversations publicly. And maybe that's okay, but I think maybe that trickles down into privacy and then ends up pocketing these ideas and pocketing having more open conversations, and that's scary. Uh, a, a, an example is a uh, a friend of a friend, um, I who I don't really know that well, but um, got labeled a Trump guy recently. I was like, whoa, that's surprising. That's, this yeah. is you know, like a guy who you would not assume that from even even from my friend of friend status. And, uh, then I talked to another mutual, like, no, 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 that dude's no, no, that dude's not, not a Trump guy at all. He, he just, um, he just had some questions about this stuff and, and things that were pretty rational, you know, like he, he, he didn't like this. And, uh, I wonder how unhealthy it is for those conversations to all become Uh, segmented as opposed to being able to have more open conversations with each other.
0: Shopify grows your business, no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads,
1: Well, there's nothing, that I don't know, just so we're clear, I'm going to say something insulting, but I am not. I don't know who you're talking about, so I, I don't mean it towards them at all. Uh, there's nothing more unfortunate than being a dumb person with valid questions because I'm intelligent enough that you're never going to put me in a corner. Uh, I'm going to explain exactly what I mean. I'm going to use my words, and you can walk away being a dishonest scumbag and and labeling me something I'm not, but any rational person is going to go, yeah, nah. But if you're dumb, or you're not good with the language, or at least <laughs> I, I just sound like a dumb redneck myself.
2: <laughs> at least if, not it, good it, enough with the language. Yeah, like it, if it, you don't speak American, then you might be in trouble. <laughs> if you know speak you them good,
1: if you can't communicate, then uh, but you're but you have a curious mind and you just got questions about politics or anything else. Uh, it like, I see this all the time online with totally just, they're just people that are from the outside of a thing asking questions. And then it's assumed that they're asking them in bad faith, but they're not, they're just people that are late to something or maybe they're dumb or whatever Very it true. is. And, and so that's unfortunate but regarding, regarding uh, where the hardcore scene is politically, it's center left. And, Uh, It pretends to be progressive. It pretends to be leftist. It is neither of those things. It is center left. And uh, I don't, I'm not in judgment of that. I'm not sitting here mad. But I think that people that believe that it is otherwise, uh, I'm not saying this to be a dick. I'm not saying this to be holier than thou, nor am I saying it to be the old guy in the room. I've been around too long. (laughs) And I have witnessed the most progressive people in the hardcore scene mellow into center left. And that's because that's where most of them, their actual orientation is. Sure. That's where they're. And and however, they were playing a part for, for when it was appropriate uh, for their social circle. And there's kind of this, Game of chicken I guess Or I I don't know what to say It's kind of like You know I'm going to put one toe over the line Will you put one Like will you put your full foot over the line Sort of thing when it comes to uh, Politics and hardcore Uh, But at the end of the day And I I think that we'd all agree on this The majority Not all Not all But the majority of people can Just comfortably put their foot right back Right back on the other side of the line That it was previously When things need to calm down for them sure and i i think that that's uh the sad reality uh of uh of uh maybe maybe that's the sad reality of all subculture you know maybe maybe that's not just hardcore but uh, so i think hardcore is strictly center left
2: tom yeah i mean i think i i tend to agree with with pat that it's mostly center left and i think hardcore kids and punks are kind of inherently just more political than this than the standard i think that gap has closed in the last couple years sure because i would imagine most 18 to 25 year olds 18 to 30 year olds couldn't give a fuck about politics before sure so they're a lot more kind of educated and kind of following things and being involved you know on on a grassroots level that you know, wasn't probably as prevalent as as it had always been with punk and hardcore to me.
3: Question for both of you guys. Do you ever see more extreme views on the left or the right seem to get dangerously close to one another? Sure. Okay. I
1: I also think that you know, like they call that horseshoe theory. Yeah.
4: Um,
1: and everybody observes that. Even if people don't want to admit that. Everybody on earth just, you know, if you're just a sane person, you you can observe extremism, extremism on any side of any spectrum uh, approaching extremism on another. But I also think that there's like – it, it, there's it's also worth saying that the actual definition – of many of these terms have changed within my lifetime and I'm not that old. So it is these, this is a game like this is a game of politics for a lot of people and they change the rules on the fly. Uh, This is why I'm not telling you not to be politically involved to our listeners. I'm not really telling you how to behave at all, but I I will say that uh, it is my strongest belief from years of observation that Uh, you do change the world more efficiently and and in a more meaningful way when you change your personal life. That's all I got to say on that.
3: Back to the Forrest Gump references, second of the episode. Um, Okay. Off the politics into the hardcore. I asked this on my Instagram account a few days ago, months ago, and uh, (laughs) I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, Tom, start us off. What's the What's the best terror record? My personal favorite is Total Retaliation, this guy says.
2: Yeah, it's funny. I think they're a band that, like, literally all of their records is a favorite of someone's. Like, there's no record that people are like, man, i don't fuck with that one. Like, even, you know, to me, I mean, I would probably go Lowest of the Low. Yeah. Um, I think that has the most bangers from beginning to end. All the records have hits. Mm. But I I think like if that would be my go to, which I hate that because it makes it sound like I oh, only like the demo. Like I sound like one of those <laughs> picks. Um but I think that was my favorite. Um if not, I would probably go keepers of the faith. Okay. Sure.
3: PK.
1: Mm, what's the one with push it away? It's an early one.
3: I think that's lowest of the Yeah. Yeah, give me that. I think I think that's where we all three of us would go. I, I'm not a, I'm not a big terror guy, but you know that's that's the one. And I think um, it's tough. It's tough. That record. I, I'm. I actually. I'm glad for terror. They've done longevity in a way that I think is a lot cooler than a lot of bands. Uh, Tom, we've talked about this. We talked about this with Killing Time. So the method is not Brightside. No. And that is held against the method forever yeah um, it's
2: actually a good
3: a good, a I, good
2: record I bought that record again they did a reissue right so everybody go to blackout records and
3: get that reissue um but it's a good record it's just not a classic and i think this is something we see happen to quite a few bands is like you're held up to the standard of your best work and i'm not saying that's not fair but i'm saying that sometimes perfect is the enemy of good uh so so you you people will often overlook all these good records that might even be have some personality and charm that, that does something unique. Uh, and you lose out on that because everyone just looks at the greatest thing they did. Terror doesn't totally have that. They, they actually have this way that there's people who have their favorites. And beyond that, I think there's people who have, like there's all sorts of people who have different favorite record. Then I think there's people who have different second favorite record. So that's pretty cool. I think if you got that as a band, you you know you've done a pretty good job. You know, yeah. Like
2: everyone's got a favorite, but there's also like there's no records that they're like nope. Like everyone got their favorite, but then they like the rest of it, which is yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, how many like think about all of our favorite band like you know like sick of it all. Like everyone's got their favorite, but there's some records that are like I don't give a fuck. I'm not listening to that, even though like mm-hmm. as, as hard as some of us have tried to convince people. <laughs> no right.
3: Sick of it all might have more of a consensus canon, right? Like, yeah. like you could probably go, hey, if you're going to listen to Sick of It All, here's the ones you really go for, and then here's some that are, you know, here's some that are pretty good, and then here's maybe some other stuff, too. With Terror, I think if you ask 10 people, each of those 10 might give you different top threes, you know? And that, sure. that's pretty, pretty impressive. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, this fella, Jack, said... Um, uh, they are uh, putting together.
2: What is happening upstairs? I'm sorry. It's okay. Compiling. There's a like list- an offense upstairs. I don't know what the fuck's going on, but I hear chairs like going, like rolling across the floor. Oh, wow. Huh. It's fucking weird. I don't know. It's late
3: night. That's weird. Um, Compiling a list of every hardcore record that's been released so far this year, 2020. Would you like me to send that to you all again? Yes, definitely. I think you did. Fair warning. It's going to be more detail-oriented and twice as nerdy. I'll see if I can get the most updated version. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I fucking love um, it. So shout out. Um, and also, they sent us amazing list online last month of both current and past hardcore bands with L... Uh, LGBTQ and fem members. Shit is insane. It's broken down into geographic regions of the world and lists bands uh, by how active they are. It goes a step further by listing the band members, associated acts, and links to music and social media. It's so tight. Would love for you all to give this shout-out on a future episode. Absolutely. Um, Go to uh, girlandqueerbands.neocities.org So to say it again... Girl and queer Shout out, Jack. Um, Love they that. put a lot of work into this email and they always send us very cool stuff. So thank you very much. Thank you. Um, good one. Let's get into a couple others. Oh, this is a good one from our old buddy Mike, and then maybe we'll do one more. Which band has the strangest family tree? So uh, he nom- He says, I nominate Redemption 87. <laughs> Obviously, we all know about the AFI and Nerve Agents Connections. I think if you have a very specific set of interest and age range, you know about that. Uh, we all know about the AFI and Nerve Agents Connections to Redemption 87, but other members played in Skankin Pickle and Token Entry. Now, that's pretty
2: diverse. Timmy Chunks, sure.
3: Yeah, he's been around. Um, what are some other bands with strange family trees? See you sure the aquabats. Wait, uh, t- uh, say that again, Patrick, go first.
1: I think the aquabats probably have a, I think these dudes over the years have played. I think there's been a member that's been in every other band in, in all of history. So okay. I'll, I'll, I'll look now to see if that proves true. Guar is another one. These bands that sort of like kind of can swap members, uh, a lot of times, there's people that have done time in those bands that is that are really surprising,
2: right? Like I feel like the Aquabats is not is more of like, and this is no disrespect, but like I feel like they're not a real band. <laughs> they're a oh, franchise. Uh,
1: that's true. Yes, that's, that's very
2: true. true. Yeah, that they're kind um, of like the main the singers around, and then it's like I think I, we went and saw them because they were playing in, in in the city, and like Tim Tim is friends with them, so we went to go hang out, or whatever. And it's like, yeah, that guy was in death by stereo that dude over there used to be in okay. th- i'm like what the f- what the fuck you know like if, if dressing, you live like, in caps
3: if you live in orange county long enough and can play an instrument you end up in the the the, awkward the Aquaband, it, yeah. yeah
4: um,
2: um I-, I said cr yes okay let's so say it's CR. like right so from Staten island so they they went on you know to to um uh miracle drug okay another hardcore band guitar player was in sheer terror um serpico um mm-hmm. Tons of other bands. Here's where it gets weird. The bass player is current uh, um, Grover, who was he was in Decision, and we never kicked him out, so I still take credit that he's still in the band, even though he's not Uh, plays bass for the Budos band. Oh, weird. But they're they're amazing, and all those dudes are hardcore. Like a lot of hardcore kids from Staten Island, by the way. Um, Because another guy that was in a um, a New York a few bands in a few hardcore bands in Staten Island is like plays like uh one of the percussion percussive instruments in the band. So like they're legit. And then the drummer Elway is in like a bunch of different like black metal bands. His name yes. is not Elway, he just looks like John Elway. Yes. Um, He's got the gums. Yes. Is in I mean bands that like I that mean a lot to people. I don't listen to that style of music very closely. Mm-hmm. Um, but like other bands that have gone on to be kind of big. But I think the Budo's band is the weirder like if you're like in a band that like went from like a punk band to a ska band is that's one thing, but like you went from a fucking a thrashy kind of power violence band to a fucking jam band that played with like, you know was like were part of like the Daptone family. That's pretty different. <laughs> um, if people are into this game,
3: I strongly recommend the website band2band.com. So good. It's so good. Uh, I just looked up a few trying to figure out if there's anything that really stuck out in my mind. Um, Jets to Brazil is pretty fun. Um, they're yeah. direct degrees of separation. Jawbreaker, Handsome, Iceburn, Insight, Helmet, 108, Resurrection, Texas of the Reason, Lifetime, uh, Another That's Wall, Too theory. Many Voices. Yeah, a few yeah. others. Um, let's see. Let's
2: do... <laughs> one, you can be like, tell me how many steps there are from like Patrick Kinlan oh, yeah. to like Tom Mariah from Slayer, and they can. Okay, yeah. Here, let's
3: do that. that. let do self-defense family to part, Slayer. To, like, it is. It, sure, it certainly is. Okay. How many steps do you guess between self-defense family and Slayer?
1: That one seems ex- extensive. I'm going to say 12.
3: Five. Okay. Ooh. Um, Patrick, you're closer. It is nine. So – um, Patrick Kinlan, you fr- oh, Pat. Actually, it's eight because we start with end of a year. Okay. Uh, your bridge is Hans through Burning okay. Bridges. Joe Camerera.
1: Oh yep. yeah. Camer-
3: through Bur- Born Low, to Derek Van Wee from yep. In The Promise. In the Promise. To John Jonathan Dennison. Yep. When Tigers fight to Ken Olden. Ken yep. Olden on the Shelter record Eternal from 2006, which is a very funny Shelter record that was on streaming, but then removed from streaming. It's a very odd record. A um, couple of good songs. To Dave DiCenzo, who played on Chromag's Alpha Omega. To Gabrielle Abularak, who played Gab- on Voodoo Cult, Jesus
2: Killing Machine, with... One Dave Lombardo. Mm. Dude, this is so much fun. This fucking, it I can't I used to fuck with this all the time. Now mm. I'm going to be up all night fucking being like, I'm right, far see. away. All right. So since we did Slayer, indecision to Slayer. Tom, how many steps? Guess. Oh, uh, that's probably more because we're not, we were kind of insular. I'm going to say 10. Patrick?
1: I'm going to go fewer. I'm going to go seven.
2: Pat is winning this game. It is six.
3: Um, Justin Brannon. Okay. Oh, actually, it's going to be even less. It's five because most precious blood. Um. So it is most precious blood. Sean McCann. Yep. Okay. To the Dying Light. Uh, plays with Brandon Diaz, who was in Hemlock, who yep. played with Daniel Lilker, who was Dan Lilker the- from Dan Lilker SOD live at Budokan.
2: Yeah, he's a nuclear assault.
3: There we go. Uh, who played with Scott Ian on a Mr. Bungle
2: record? Yep. Who played with Dave Lombardo? There's another oh, way nice. of doing that, which is crazy. You yeah. can go Pat Flynn from Indecision was in Judas yep. Factory with Rob Fish. Yes. Who was in Resurrection with Brian Moransky, Mary uh-huh. Anthony. Who was in Another Wall with Chris Trainer? Who Ooh. was in Helmet with John Tempesta. Who was in Exodus with Gary Holt, who was in Slayer. That's fantastic. That oh, was cool. the best website, band dot com. Th- Shout out to
3: Kev Finn who built this. Uh, and no he way, was the rep. Yep, he built this and uh, did a great job. And it's literally one of the coolest AI things in hardcore.
2: Ever. That's incredible. I didn't know he did that.
3: Yeah, and and it's not just hardcore. It's music at large. So like we can do, uh, let's do Self Defense Family to Led Zeppelin. How many steps, guys? I
1: was, I, no, make it easier. Go leeway. I want to know how close oh, you, you want, want to do to leeway? leeway. All right. Well, self defense. Side.
3: Okay, self defense. The Led Zeppelin is only eleven splits, steps. All right. Um, almost all of your your connections, Pat, go through uh the promise. Apparently, let's do leeway. Mm. I bet it's I bet it's through the promise.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yep.
3: Uh, let's see. Uh, eight steps. Uh, through there, through Ken Olden, through Better Than a Thousand, through Ray Capo to Mackie. Yep. That makes
4: sense. Uh, On
3: the, on, what did Mackie play on with leeway? Oh, he's on some unexpected, some live recording. Okay. What was the other one we wanted to do? There's one more and we'll, we'll be done with this. This is a fun asking. Yup aside. That's right. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. (laughs) Yup aside. Let's see how many steps guys guess.
1: That could be, uh, I don't know. I'm going to say, no, I'm going to say six.
3: Okay. It is 10. So you're, wow. what? you're as far away from the as you are from. Led
1: yeah. You want to talk about insular. Wow. So, uh, the is so we get crazy. to,
3: we go end of year to Hans born low, the promise, the promise. We go to Busky with terror, always the hard way, Nick jet. So we actually could just skip Busky cause Nick jet plays on that as well. Um, Nick Jet. Oh no cuz we got to do Busky and then so Busky plays on always the hard way with Nick Jet, one with the underdogs, uh Five Gun, Frank Five Gun who then is on Hatebreed Supremacy with Sean Martin, who's on 100 Demons in the Eyes of the Lord, Rick Bryle who's on in the Eyes of the Lord played with Steve Carp on the Yuppside self-titled.
2: Wow. Thank you. Amazing. All right. From Yuppside was on the the first 100 Demons record?
3: Apparently so. <laughs> That's not, crazy.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, so Strangest Family Tree, please go play with that. It is really, really fun uh, as we just exa- example, as we just exampled, as we just showed because we fell down a hole on it. Um, Redemption 87's got a pretty
2: weird one for sure. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other like, um, like, you know, grade was in like Avril Lavigne's band or like. Like from Autumn to Ashes* and *Thursday*, were the backing band for this 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 band called *The Wanted*, Mm -hmm. who were like huge maybe ten years ago, like a Brit like a British British pop band, not a Brit pop band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would know their songs and stuff. Like they were like you know playing like the garden and stuff, and they were like their back. I would bet if you looked in the background, like there were a lot of hardcore folks that became background musicians or like uh played on records of different people like that we never would have known like they weren't out there playing cbs with fucking the wanted but you would know like they ended up playing keyboards on one song or something you know what i mean mm.
4: yeah
3: yeah that's awesome
2: um that's so weird it's it is weird yeah, explore we'll play a game
3: with that at some point because it's really fun um guys copyright. Let's, yeah yes copyright acts of grind 2021 <laughs> uh doing it better <laughs> Let us do one last one here um, that Matthew S. sent us. Handsome self-titled versus quicksand slip. Which one is better? Which
2: one do you prefer? Not even a goddamn question. Right. I mean, I think quicksand slip. I mean, it's legitimately, as we, as we speak, the day before was its 28th birthday.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: That record's been out for fucking twenty eight years, and if you put it on right now, it doesn't sound dated whatsoever. Nope. Someone had mentioned like hit me up, and they're like, "How great would this sound with like a nice like cleaned up remaster?" Which it would be like it would fucking knock you on your fucking ass. Um, I think that handsome record is quite good, but it's not. I mean, Slip is is the top of the genre. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think if we're doing like post hardcore in that lane. That's, be- I mean, all right, I'm probably going to get shot for this, but like, Slip is better than any Fugazi record. It's better Ooh. than any oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of its ilk. Anything like post-hardcore ish, it's better than any of it. Name me a record that's better than that.
3: I for have Peter a hard Paine. time. I have a hard time uh, even quantifying Slip with other records in the post-hardcore or hardcore genre just because of the flow and. Um, content cohesion i think there's a real i think the song content lyrical content matches the sound so well i can only i can literally only compare it to top of the pop stuff like i guess i could compare it to the bad brains uh rock for light or bad brains roar sessions uh age of coral where it's like yo what they're singing about is what the song it's what's the word is it onomatopoeia where this or or, what's the word for it buzz when the word sounds like the sound is describing
1: I believe that's onomatopoeia
3: right that that is you have you have musical onomatopoeia with quicksand slip where the tone the way it's the production on the record it's just it's a different thing handsome handsome self-titled got a nice resurgence when it got the reissue shout out to 6131 for doing that um and up until that point it was potentially criminally underrated. Uh it's a very good record. It's not in the same category. I think some of the more melodic leanings on the handsome record deserve note. And uh I, I wonder if there's people who would really love the handsome record who are missing out on it.
2: Yeah, I'm like it's it's super catchy. It's mm-hmm. poppier. It's it's popier than quicksand.
3: Yeah, like I was thinking that people who love it doesn't sound like Jawbreaker, but I I know no. there's more people who love Jawbreaker than know who handsome is, and they should probably get some crossover from that audience.
1: Yeah.
3: Um Patrick, any, any thoughts on either of these records?
1: I mean, I think you summed it up pretty well. <laughs> it's it it is what it is. You don't want to be too disrespectful to handsome, but it's uh you know, come on. All
3: right. Well, yo, we are going to be joined by our buddy Chris Enriquez. Anything else before we we let him jump in here and uh, we talk a little bit about On the Might of Princes and all things Long Island?
2: Um, Uh, He also has a hardcore band that he forgot to mention.
4: (laughs) Remember?
3: (laughs) That's right. That's right. That's so funny. Um, Um, So he's also a Total
2: total Meltdown with a bunch of friends from Brooklyn and Queens.
3: Yes. Shout out to Total Meltdown.
1: Uh, Here's the last thing I'll say. Uh, Larry Flint died today. You know, do I that. thought he was already dead. Yeah, a lot of people probably do. I
3: was thinking uh, about that too. I saw I saw that. Um, man, it's the thing.
1: So I just want to read a couple highlights from his Wikipedia, if I can. Please. Uh, so he got he was doing well uh, managing clubs. He was a businessman first and foremost. Uh, so he was managing clubs, then managed topless clubs, et cetera, et cetera. Then uh he st- started doing Hustler and it was Scandalous and it was hard and everything. And then he was approached by a paparazzi who had taken pictures of, uh, uh, Jackie Kennedy, Jack, uh, Jackie Kennedy Onassis at that time, uh, sunbathing nude, right? He purchased them for $18,000, published them in a 1975 issue. It sold 1 million copies in the first few days. And he was pretty much instantaneously a millionaire. He bought a house or he bought a mansion. Pardon me. This is an important part. A mansion, for th- three hundred seventy five, three hundred seventy five thousand dollars, he bought a mansion. Wow, mansion! Now, there's a couple things I'd like to point out. How much like a how much of a boob do you feel like if you're the paparazzi who sold the shit for eighteen thousand, and then this dude turns it around in in a month into a, a, a more than a mil? Uh, pretty bad. Probably stupid. Yeah, and mm. then. Uh here's a very interesting thing. Uh everybody go watch the people versus Larry Flint. Uh if you this is a very sex negative uh, era that we're in right now, maybe you have negative feelings on Larry Flint, but uh he did a lot for your ability to talk right now. So you, regardless of what contempt you might hold uh his personal values in, he did something for you. Uh but he was shot, right? Do you know who he was shot by? Uh no. Yeah, I didn't either. And it's very strange. He was shot by supposedly by Joseph Paul Franklin, who was a white supremacist serial killer. Mm -hmm. Uh, He confessed to the, to the shooting and they pretty much believe that he did it. He was never charged. No one was ever charged. Uh, And Flint in 2013, when uh, Franklin was up for the death penalty uh, expressed that he did not want him to die, as Flint himself was opposed to the death penalty. Uh, that's very interesting. Also, he sued his uh, he sued two of his nephews later in life because they were using the hustler name to make, in his view, inferior pornography.
3: <laughs> wow! <laughs> yeah, shout out to everybody. Please enjoy this uh, little tidbit with our buddy Chris. Take care.
1: Yes, please, Chris.
3: Take us away. A girl, mess off. This. She was lovely I like this And that's why she's so famous for me. <laughs> Yo, welcome to uh, a nice little featurette We have a friend joining us Chris Enriquez, how are you my friend?
5: I'm great, thanks for having me It was a surprise I, I, I knew that we were going to do it at some point But I didn't know it was going to be tonight until about an hour ago So Yo, You have
3: like to keep everyone on their toes I like how dynamic you were You were able to just jump in Like, oh, I can do it, it was great
5: I mean, I don't have any kids, and I'm not married, so you know, I'm I'm here. I, I work in the music industry, and I just stopped doing my music job for a second to do this. So it's all the same thing to me.
3: <laughs> I, I love it. I love that. So um, for those who are uninitiated, Chris, can you give a little bit of your music chops and and why it might be relevant? Your your resume that would be relevant to the axe to grind audience.
5: Sure. I mean, I guess I've been a fill in drummer. For bands, uh, for 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 God knows how long. I, I hopefully won't forget any. But aside from the bands I've actually been in myself, which are uh, uh, on the mind of Prince's and Gracer, who were revelation bands, I also filled in on drums for a bunch of bands on Rev, like Super Touch and Shai Hulud, uh and uh, Beyond. I, like I said, I'm trying to remember like, yeah, what you're, other, you're just
3: like, bridging all clockwise. the arrows of revelation. You know what I mean? Right,
5: right. Right. And then like, and then, so that, that's the, those are the only rev bands I think I filled in on drums for. And then <laughs> in addition to that, um, fuck. Uh, oh, clockwise. Uh, uh, yeah. Clockwise, which was a big long Island band. I played drums for the reunion there was a one-off and then, um, I, uh, I, I, I was in a band called primitive weapons for, for about, oh, uh, yeah. you
4: know,
5: we're still we're not technically broken up but we're like on hiatus but and then currently my full-time band is a band called Spotlights which is you know pr- pr- probably like compared to everything i've done like doing the most i guess
3: very yeah. cool um so so one of the reasons that we wanted to have you on is just to chop it up cuz you have some interesting stuff going mm-hmm. on but with regards to on the might of princes um where you are and what you want to be is
5: where You Are and Where You Want to Be.
3: <laughs> where You Are and Where You Want to Be, my bad. Um, That's okay. Is available now on streaming for the first time ever because it was reissued as part of a 20th anniversary. Yo, that record came out 20 years ago?
5: Yeah, it was recorded in 1999. <sighs> oh my and God. And it was released, uh, the, the original pressing came out in 2000, which is pretty fucking. Holy crap. Actually, no, yeah, 2001, I'm sorry. Right, the right, right.
4: So next
3: year it can drink. This year, though, it's 20 years old. Big milestone. Um, I wanted to share with you that um, you might not be familiar. uh, I I talk with and work with and help some guys. who are younger, hardcore band, One Step Closer. And uh, a couple of the guys in that band told me, like, hey, have you ever heard of this band On the Might of Princes? And I'm like, yes, (laughs) definitely have. And they're like, oh, we love them. And I was like, wow, because these are dudes who are give or take the same age as that record
5: who <laughs> right, i didn't wow that's crazy yeah
3: right, who discovered it and and have said really nice things about it so i thought i'd share that with you um we really were talking about it and so please before we get into that where's this record uh where, where could people order it if they wanted to order the reissue other than obviously streaming it where you can stream whatever music yeah you like. yeah
5: So uh, the 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 uh, I didn't know that many people actually gave a shit about the band uh, still at this point in time, because we were never like as big as the bands that we uh, that we played shows with. But it sold out completely, actually from Deadbroke. And the only it, it was pressed on like six different vinyls. Uh, uh, and they're all gone, and oh the only God. ones <laughs> left that are available are at Rev HQ. I don't know how many are left, but the only ones that you can get now are at Rev HQ. Let's all right.
4: Say,
2: well, yeah. well, so everybody go hit Rev HQ for that. Um, and there's a wild story, right? Then you have to somehow recreate the cover.
5: No, 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 no. I thought you thought know there was
2: something think? that no, like you couldn't find the original. I feel like didn't Hugo have something oh, to do oh, with? Oh, like
5: I understand what you're saying. Yeah, the the uh, it was re. You're right. We couldn't imagined. get the original file of the real front cover. So the, the re-release is like just a white, um, it's just a white background with like a, the, the actual front cover oh, from the, the, day, the photo like pretty small in the middle. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got yeah.
3: it. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about was that time in New York and in Long Island, uh, because You know, a lot of people like, yo, we get accused of it all the time. Patrick, I think you'd say this. We do have a slight New York bias. We talk about New York hardcore of all shapes and forms, pretty good amount. But we don't talk about this era very often. I don't think there's many people who do, though. It was a weird kind of fertile ground of a lot of different stuff going on. And all four of us, but especially the three of you guys, we're kind of witnesses to a lot of that stuff. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit about this, the world that Atma came from and, you know, some of the shows you guys were playing and just kind of the background of that time frame.
5: Yeah, totally. I mean, I'll preface that by saying that the, the, the show, the time that I started going to shows in New York was at 1994. So I was lucky that I was exposed to like real, hardcore and things of that nature. Like, you know, my first show was, uh, was sick of it all right when Scratch the Surface came out and I wasn't a straight up hardcore kid at the time. I was coming out of grunge and playing Nirvana covers and stuff like that. And then that's when I kind of flipped, but um, I got super into Fugazi and all that stuff as well. So like I was just immersed in everything that the nineties sort of had to offer. And by the time uh, I joined On the Might of Princes, uh, it was late 90s. And what we were doing was kind of a culmination of you know, my background in the Long Island hardcore scene uh, slash being a really big fan of bands like Quicksand, which was one of the bands that we all loved was Quicksand and Helmet and that kind of stuff. Uh, my singer, Jason, lived uh, in, the, in Chicago for a while. So he was coming uh, as a, also as a hardcore kid that loved everything from Bad Brains and Fugazi to Quicksand, but uh, he was around like the Cap and Jazz um, mm. Promise Ring Braid, like Milwaukee, you know? Chicago kind of stuff, right? You yeah, know? yeah. He's yeah. a little older than me, uh, and so he was like kind of in that scene. And when he moved to Long Island, uh, where he was originally from, he kind of bounced around. He had brought that uh, element of, of I guess the the emo I we didn't use that word at the time to describe those bands or what we were doing but like I right. guess those like, emo bands he was kind of bring that into the um, the mix um, and then like collectively you know my bass player was really into shoegaze at the time and um, and then my guitar player uh, Lou was also into uh, kind of that Midwest emo thing I was the only real like hardcore guy yeah in the Right, you know, yeah. But
3: if you're gonna have a hardcore guy in the band and he's the drummer, I think that impacts. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah,
4: it's
5: true, for sure. Yeah, I mean, nobody was listening to like eggs or AF or anything. I, I, that was me. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I mean, what was that? What was that like? Because you guys played in this really weird mixed world. Because I don't think you were alone in that. I think at the time, you know, you've got bands floating around that are, you know, like you've got bands like mill house and decision leading up to silent majority leading up to what's happening in that late, late nineties frame. And then you have most fresh blood and you have all these other kind of bands. I, I look at that time as being this really weird mixed bag. And it seemed like to me, there was a lot of mixed bills. Was that kind of what you felt and like, we're kind of participating in.
5: Yeah. I mean, we, we were lucky. Cause we came at the tail end of, of, I guess what we could call Tom Tom's band, like in his scene, like we were playing with, um, with we played with Indecision and we played with Silent Majority. And then those bands broke up. And then we were kind of now part of this like next wave, which, uh, you know, it was a very strange time because that's where you get your brand new and Taking Back Sunday and all that stuff. And I remember all those people going to the same hardcore shows, but, you know, I guess for better or for worse, however way I would look at it, we can all kind of get blamed for whatever was to come Maybe <laughs> right. not been like too stoked about, you know, the purists, but those were all hardcore kids. We were all, all at those shows. We were all at sick with all shows and all that stuff. We weren't like posers by any
2: means. It just said, we were just into other types of music also.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
2: absolutely. I've seen the photos. I've seen pictures of the crowds and I'm like, Oh shit, there's so-and-so there's so-and-so there's yeah. I mean, I was at
5: CB's I was at all those yeah. shows. I just, I just at some point i I discovered Discord Records, and I wanted to play stuff that sounded like Jawbox and not Madball. At some point, you know. <laughs> hey Pat, what do you think of that?
1: I uh, can't relate. I, I'm, I'm still I'm still the Freddy Madball of uh, of alt music. <laughs> <laughs>
2: right. So, not epit- he doesn't like any any stuff from DC. You can tell.
1: No, oh, really? Uh, no, no, no. He's teasing because I, my bands have uh, at different times ripped off DC acts to such a extreme degree that it's it's
4: almost <laughs> yeah, name it, you.
5: Yeah. Well, actually, I know of, I know your bands. I, yeah, I remember your first hundred
1: years, but 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 the uh, uh, yeah, the whole I, end of I, a year thing, yeah, right? Yeah, end of a year. Also, self defense spent two years sounding exactly like lungfish. It's it, there's <laughs> there's a lot of pain in my in my history because I love that stuff so much and i'm not ashamed of any of it but uh, i would have loved to have arrived at my own sound earlier hey I it mean, happens, though. yeah
5: it happens i I, yeah. I was actually excited to be on here because of, of many reasons but pat i'm sure you can relate because i i talk a lot on my own platforms about hardcore but i'm not known as a guy that was in a hardcore band you know what i mean yeah, right. so, so i think that's kind of a thing we have in common but
1: no. Yeah. I, I think that's a, that's like, you gotta love the comments though. I don't know if you, so we get, we still get emails that are like, does Patrick even like hardcore, which is like, <laughs> it's still one of my favorite bits. Um,
4: yeah. but
1: I, on one level and I don't know how you feel about it, but on one level, I don't, I don't really blame anybody, you know what I mean? Because like typically if somebody's, if somebody's known for being into hardcore music, that's probably what they've been playing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, right. I, I can't blame anybody for being like, yo, why am I listening to the guy that's in these two soft as fuck bands talk to me about mad ball anything? You know what I mean? Like, who, sure, who the sure. fuck is he? Yeah, we
5: could go we could get off track with that. But I mean, the guys in Sunny Day Real Estate were hardcore kids. I mean, it's yeah. it's all the same thing, you know?
1: Sensfield, every every everybody we like.
3: Yo, yeah. and and I think that's something I actually have had some conversations about this recently. One I think we're not for the first time. I don't think for the first time, but I think what we're seeing right now is there's a generation of kids in their twenties who came up in this world of hardcore, where it was cool to not just like hardcore, where it's cool to have a more diverse palette. And I think that's, that's good. That's really good. You know, like I, I remember being young and, um, And having friends and it'd be, you know, we'd have friends who it was like, well, we listened to punk and hardcore and metal and like classic rock and hip hop and this and that. And just try to be in all different stuff. Like I never, I got into hardcore through grunge too. Like I was into grunge and then I got into hardcore. I didn't stop liking grunge because I discovered Minor threat. You know what I mean? Like uh, I just.
2: So here's my question for you guys. Like from my own personal experience, like, of course, I loved all that shit. But were you rocking a Pearl Jam shirt at at a Mouthpiece show?
3: No, I didn't have a Pearl Jam shirt. I wish I did. You know what I'm saying? Because I I remember as a kid,
2: like showing up at shows and being like, fuck, I didn't wear, I, I have a bad motor finger shirt on and every gang member is eyeing me. I really wish I didn't wear this fucking shirt.
3: Well, and that's that's what we talk about now. Is you go to hardcore shows and you see those, you see the bad motor finger shirt now. You know you more than you see an age quarrel shirt, more than
1: a hardcore shirt, really. Yeah. Right, yeah.
3: right, right. So it's right. sort of flipped. But I agree, I know there was a time where like having the uniform almost like you had to, right? So, so yeah. um, I think that's changing. I think that's changing for the better, which is beautiful.
5: Hey Bob, I, I did want to mention just to kind of follow up. I kind of went off a uh, topic, but like of course. we were saying about shows being weird during our time is is very true and I'm sure we'll get into that more, but like that whole generation uh, of, like I think when we got into it, it was still like real kind of hardcore type people, even though people were starting to mix up styles, but then like what we ended up in, which was like this like laminate to a VFW hall type person with girls <laughs> and weird fucking, I know that my awkward quarantine hair kind of looks like that now, but like you know, the weird fucking haircut that everyone had, Yeah. Um, that that wasn't around when we started. That that happened. I feel like you know, in the in the post-victory early two thousands world, which we got definitely. caught up in. But we 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 were all, we were definitely like suspect of that, and not, and, and not trying to be that, even though that was happening to people around us. <laughs> this this is
3: going to be a weird place to start with this question, but I started interacting with you when you started your band Gracer, that we'll talk about later on. What happened with On the of Princes towards the end? Like, how did it come apart? Because it felt like it came apart at the seams. And then I'd like to work backwards.
5: Yeah, that's a really great place to start because it's very interesting and pretty dramatic. To be honest, you, I don't, I don't. There was a crossover where you, Bob, were our A and R guy. You had inherited us from Larry
3: Ransom. No, uh, that's somebody else. But uh, I, I was after that. There was James. Maybe do you remember James? James Yeah. So yes.
5: I, I, I'll make this long story short. I, I felt really bad because by the time we ended up on Revelation, there was so much inner turmoil and drama and nonsense that was so unprofessional that was happening at the time. And like, put put it this way. Like I, I came from a pretty well off background. I wasn't poor or struggling. Um, my, my bandmates definitely were coming from like a working class, background nobody was rich or anything like that um not saying i was but just to give you an idea and jason our singer you know he really truly had like a kurt cobain type of scenario i don't want to like talk about the deceased and he passed away right yeah Uh, i'm gonna try to like tread lightly here but like I mean, he was—he uh, did not have a lot of money. He—I don't know uh, uh, if he finished high school. He was living out of his car at some points during the band. Wow. Uh, there were definitely like substance abuse problems and like and mental health issues and just like lots of shit. And when all of that stuff started blowing up, um, you know, with the bands that we were playing with, uh, there was a lot of pressure. Uh, I think that I put on the band because I'm such a business minded person. So I ended up in the music industry, but like, I definitely was like, shit. Everyone who opened up for us, Coheed, brand new, taking back Sunday. Um, pro- I mean, we we played like a, a small show with fallout boy. I didn't really even know that these bands were going to be big, but when they started sort of like, you know, shooting up the fucking charts and, right. and I could not turn my TV on without seeing one of their bands on MTV. I was pushing right. really hard for our band to to kind of follow that trajectory. And I think, uh, you know, there was a bidding war. Victory wanted us. And it was no social media. So it's like Jason's working at, you know, Borders and Books. And it's like, you got to call online too. And it's like Victory Records. like the labels <laughs> breaking us up left and right. And by the time we signed to Revelation, which was very – there was a lot of weird shit that went down. Um, yeah, try to like try to get into that without naming anybody, even though I'm sure you want me to do that. Like,
3: no, do it without names just for, we'll protect the innocent today.
5: So, 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 so victory and drive through records, which was part of MCA and revelation and a couple other labels were trying to sign us. And we, um, we almost ended up on drive through records, but back then there were like a lot of really ridiculous kind of beefs that took place with bands back then. Um, in, in that like, we were like, especially in New York and long yeah. Island, lots of like bro-ish kind of behavior. Um, and, and we were very comp- competitive. I, 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 I feel bad saying that, but like, I think my generation wasn't as supportive as each other. It was very competitive, right. um, which is why everyone ended up probably in this huge band at the time. Right. Um, yeah. but, uh, we were promised all sorts of shit and, um, it's funny. I'll tell you something. When we when we almost signed with Drive Through, they had a discussion with us where they were like, um, basically like, you know, throwing a lot of money at us and saying, if if you if you end up on the label, we would love to r- have you guys re-record uh, where you are and where you want to be with Mark Trombino, who was uh, well known for doing like yeah, Starting Line yeah. and Dream mm-hmm. Worlds and I think Our yeah. Um and they really wanted to like almost like reshape us into like what was happening at the time right like clean it up structures clean it up make it more accessible change the album cover and thank god we didn't do that but we actually did agree verbally that we were going to do that because you know there was a lot of debt a lot of us you know jason was struggling at times financially to pay rent and so you know when you're in our shoes like that you know we're like well, this is our opportunity. I think they promised to like take care of some of our personal credit cards and even rent. They
4: they wow. told us to get
5: the car. So we went out to L.A. to sign with them. We booked a tour around it, and they were promoting us as if we were already, um, you know, an official drive-through band. And there was a band on their record label that we had had some pre-existing uh, personal uh, issues with. Who basically like uh, uh, made sure that that was never going to happen for us. So by the time we got to um, to LA the day that we were supposed to sign, I got into a, a shouting match with the uh, owner of the record label wow. uh, who would uh, he, he actually didn't want to say the name of the band, but I knew who it was and it became this whole thing and then we kind of ended up, going back home with our dicks in our hand, basically. (laughs) And, and, and I want to say we settled on rev because it ended up being a better move, but the difference of what was being offered to us financially, was like,
3: it had to be extreme. Like, I don't think let's set this stage drive through records in the early two thousands was playing with a different checkbook. And what I mean by that is those kind of oversized Ed McMahon checks. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, and that's true. And what's really funny, Chris, is you say that I remember and I didn't know you at this time and I didn't really know on the Might of Princes very well other than very memorable name. And I remember seeing stuff for that tour. And you're 100% right. Drive Through was pushing that tour. So I like you coming and telling this story because it's sort of a cautionary tale. I think there's a lot of bands who end up getting sold a bill of goods and it's hard. Like, what are you supposed to do in that situation? You know, like it looks really good. And s- sometimes that could have worked out, but, um, but weird stuff happens, you
5: know, <laughs> it was a very weird time. I, I even think that, I mean, our generation was, I would say, you know, I'm not counting like the Ramones and all that shit, but like, even if you look at the post hardcore bands in the nineties, that got signed. None of them got as big as the bands that we were around in that, renaissance of all that shit so yeah. it was like a very wow. weird weird time um you know so that that's that, that's how we ended up on revelation sorry uh, to, yeah. to move on so when we ended up on rev we we i think we felt very beaten down at that point point. Yeah. and uh it wasn't a very long time we put we we made the record writing it and recording it was is was a was a total task and a half because we weren't getting along and some of us were making shit up on the spot while we were making that record um lyrics uh everything i mean th- when i hear that record it, to me it doesn't sound finished um even though it's our biggest record um right in, in our catalog but uh <laughs> and we <laughs> we i remember just so much shit happening in front of the label we we one time we played hellfest and everyone from revelation was there and we like missed our set and as soon as we got there it was like five thousand people in front of the stage and we just missed our set completely so then we just partied to to get through it and have a good time and then my singer got kicked out of the festival um i think <laughs> oh my thursday, God. thursday was like oh we're playing later and you could hop up on uh, on our set and play some songs which never happened because my singer got kicked out of the festival in front of uh veek from rev uh yep. anyone who's listening who was like running the label so it's like Everything we did was like the wrong thing to do. And then at the height of our success, we we were put on a tour in Europe where we finally like got a taste of like a driver. And when we were in Italy, we even had a translator driving with us like a a secondary tour manager where if we weren't playing festivals for a couple thousand people on other days, we were headlining clubs and people we're coming out in like the two to 400 range, knowing the words. Um, And by the time we got back to America, we, we had broken up.
2: (laughs) Jesus Christ.
5: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: This is some real replacements style shit going on in this band. Uh, (laughs) Was it just volatile personalities? How old was everybody?
5: I was the youngest and I was at that time, I was 21. I was twenty oh. like twenty-one, twenty-two.
1: I'm amazed that anybody in the early twenties can get to five year mark on a band. It's fucking it's a time in your life where things are volatile to begin with. People are often go to war over nonsense.
5: Right. I was 23 when we broke up. Um, and I think the oldest member of the band was was uh maybe twenty-five or twenty-six.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's destined it's for fights. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
4: yeah. <clears throat>
3: I mean to to ask you this because I remember our early conversations. You started the band Gracer, and uh, mm-hmm. I ended up. You were Gracer the first band I signed to Revelation, actually. Oh and, wow,
4: I love
3: it. Yeah, and actually, it was because there was a Gracer demo, and I listened to it. I was like, "This is good." I don't know that I had even put together that it was related to On the Mighty Princess. Then we talked, and I remember talking with you and like let's call a square, a square. You were, you weren't like, Oh, revelation. That was perfect. You know, you didn't, you had (laughs) warm feelings, but it didn't go the way anybody had hoped. I don't think, let alone you guys, it wasn't like the label. So it was interesting. And, you know, I think Gracer was a cool band. I'd love to talk about that at length at some point, but what, what was your experience from On the Mighty of Princes and then Gracer that got you into the music business and that made you kind of feel good about being involved. Cause you're, you're obviously someone who's a lifelong music dude, you know? Yeah,
5: totally. Um,
3: I but you had some pretty rough r- relationships along the way, you know?
5: Yeah. I had a, I, had a, I mean, I, am not going to act like, uh, I wasn't, like I'm not lucky. I mean, we had a dramatic, uh, a lot of dramatic stuff happened throughout my tenure doing all this shit, but, um, I was booking shows in high school. Um, you know, and throughout um the time I was in Under the Might of Princess, I was booking everyone from uh, I booked Movie Life's first show, I booked take I booked Take Mac Sunday's first show, uh brand new. Um I, I brought my chemical romance and under oath to to uh to, to Long Island uh before you know they were who they became. Right. So you know, I, I was just always I was a shy weirdo, but I knew that I wanted to be a part of something. And I felt like, um, like Tom, like your your scene are in the bands that you were playing with were the bands that I was watching when I was sort of discovering that this was a world that existed. Right? right. But I was so awkward. I didn't know how to be a part of it. So I kind of took it into my own hands. Once I sort of like put two and two together, I'm like, Oh, they're renting out VFW halls and sure, going sure. to bars and asking if they could use the space for a couple hours. So, um, that all kind of, uh, between that and being in bands on record labels, it kind of like put it all together in my brain later on in life as to how I could, you know, work, um, in the music industry properly, which now is my full-time job. I, I work for revolver, the hard times, Brooklyn vegan and inked magazine currently.
3: Jeez. <laughs> rad, man. It's yeah. really Stay cool. busy. So with this said, I like that angle. You're, you're talking about being the awkward, shy kid, getting into hardcore, but you also into other music. What was it that kept you around and kept you doing this music other than the love of music itself? Like were there community aspects that you don't think you would have gotten somewhere else? Social aspects that you don't think you would have gotten yeah,
5: somewhere else? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm i I'm a product of um of like a town that was kind of like revenge of the nerds. So like in order to, I was into punk and metal and hardcore really early on uh, for some reason. And it wasn't really around me. I was, I was in a town where like you get beat up for skateboarding or like wearing a Metallica shirt. And it happened all the time. So, um, so, so, you know, because I was uh, so angry all the time, like the aggressive music was like sort of my outlet. And then when I discovered there was a community for it um, I just felt, felt a deep connection and like completely immersed myself. And it's just been that way ever since, you know, um, it's, it's the only thing that makes sense to me. I don't, I don't watch football or, uh, you know, I'm not like an athletic person. I mean, I work out at the same gym as Tom, but that's more like trying to stay. <laughs> fit. I'm right. just, yeah, just a, I'm a music guy, like
2: through and through, you know, it's awesome. I haven't been to the new space yet.
5: Yeah. <laughs> have you been to Gavin's new space yet? Yeah, yeah. shout out to uh Gavin Van Vlack from Burn. That's uh the guy
2: whose gym me and Tom go to, but yeah, he's got a fantastic. new space.
5: It's 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 beautiful. Awesome, awesome.
2: You know what's I Bob, do you have other stuff Do you want? I go, some go, stuff go. I wanted to touch on. Um we wanted to go back and talk about like some of the shows, like the weird shows you probably played in the early aughts. And then I want to talk about um so you did like a few reunions. Yes. That were like sort of ridiculous that you were not expecting them to be as ridiculous as they were. Right. Absolutely. It, I, 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 yeah. It's like,
5: we, we didn't, that's how we knew people still cared. And that's why we're still doing this and why I wanted to come on here. Cause like,
4: yeah.
5: you know, we, we did reunions and I think we expected them to be pretty cool. You know, uh, from what well, the first one was in 2006. And that was where, what's that? Where was that? That was, uh, we did every time we did a reunion, it was like three days in a row. Uh, yeah. In, okay. in, different cities or states and
2: oh got like it, 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 it got the, it
5: the, the brook the, the that was uh, club europa in in brooklyn which nice. is gone yep. um, by saint vitus and then uh, we did a long island show at like a, a weird bar and then we did a show in connecticut at like a knights of columbus um yep. all with our friends bands and they were all like you know very well attended um, you know i don't know if they're sold out but it was like packed yeah. and then 2009 we did a one off at knitting factory it was part of a festival um and then when we came back in 2012 it was the revelation tw- 25th anniversary 25th
3: anniversary yep
5: which was ridiculous so we did a warm up show with with Texas is the reason and game face at St. Vitus and then we played Irving Plaza with underdog and Texas the reason and uh fuck i did, i think that was it yeah and then and then we did our own headline set the the following day which ended up being our last time playing before Jason passed and that was like, totally sold out it was just like the most epic way to go out like in like such a tragic you know not knowing yeah, that yeah. something tragic was going to happen like it was the best way that it could have
2: ended you know we were supposed to play together after that
5: yeah we oh, oh yeah so on that's, Island. A, that's a yeah. sad story so we were oh, sorry. Yeah. no 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 i might as well tell it like uh me and like, it's funny i didn't realize how much me and tom played together until the other day
2: but <laughs>
3: until you started seeing flyers and going oh wait we played oh here and there yeah. and there
2: we want, I want to talk about that one, the one in Garden City when we got a minute. But, but yeah, tell this story first. Yeah.
5: Well, yeah. you no. Know, uh, so, so, so we actually, in 2013, we were like, maybe we should get back together and, and, and make new music. And um, we, Jason was living in, uh, our singer was living in Austin, Texas at the time. He flew out to do the show. It was, sh- it was the um, Long Island Hardcore Festival was what it was called. And we were actually headlining, yeah. I think, over, over you guys, yeah. uh, which is great. Yeah, like, yeah. 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 Really yeah. weird yeah. to even think that that's, that would make sense to me now. But um, <laughs> we saw, like, he, he, you know, I don't know what was going on with, with Jason, but he was just not in great shape. And we made it maybe, like, 15 minutes into a rehearsal before he uh, kind of stormed out. And that was, like, that was the last time we ever saw him. Um, oh, so then I, I remember I canceled the show. I canceled our set, you know, right. the next day. Cause I was like, all right, this, this ain't happening. And then he passed uh, a couple months later. Jeez. Um, and, uh, yeah. It was pretty wild. That's so really the whole band sad. story is just like this, which is why I'm making a documentary yeah. about it is just cause like, it was just this crazy thing that we did that, you know,
2: had a lot of <laughs> twists and turns, man. Fuck I mean, I I think that that show was with Bulldoze. It would have been On the Mind of Princess and Bulldoze.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I mean,
3: when it comes to the documentary, I want you to tell a little bit about it, but your story isn't what I would call a typical one. And that's why I am so glad to have you talking about it because I remember glimpses of this just from conversations we'd have during the Gracer days, which, um, you know, like, I don't want to, spend a ton of time with that but uh the gracer record that revelation did is awesome um i still have two or three close friends who are like hey that's the best record that rev put out while you were working there so um uh, yeah so anybody who likes kind of really chill um i don't know how would you describe gracer to somebody who never heard it
5: uh you know i guess you could kind of throw it into like the the, it's a weird release for revelation but it was uh, in the death cab probably you Mm -hmm. know uh, world of, of things you know yeah i game. think
3: i think so. it's chill it, death cab's a good comparison uh there's tons of people who made the elliot comparison i think mostly because of production but you know if you liked elliot the band you could pr- certainly find some stuff there but i remember these on the Mitre princess stories from you also from people who worked at revelation and um <laughs> i think a documentary <laughs> about it is going to be pretty fascinating i think that's going really yeah.
4: to be really interesting
3: what's your what's your goal oh, i'm sorry What's your goals with that
5: well, I mean, you know, man, you know the movie uh, uh, about anvil
3: yes, of course
5: yeah it was it's not like I was inspired by that, like I saw that and then I wanted to make a film, but I it something about that film reminded me of what we went through on a different level like we, we weren't playing with bands like Bon Jovi or fucking Poison like in that movie, but in a way, I felt like there was um, a story to be told about how we were a band at some point with probably a lot of people's favorite bands if you're into that kind of music, whatever you want to call it, yeah. um emo or whatever. Um, yeah. And and maybe you've heard of us or maybe you haven't, but um, you know, we, we existed, you know what I mean? So I kind of just felt like with, with Jason being gone and not, I, I, us not being able to, to do these exciting things that everyone else around us has been doing reunions and uh, getting back together, this was kind of the only way for me to kind of like, just put a stamp on like, you know, like a band that, that, that was around and did something and that was part of something great, you know, self-dugumentation
3: is so big. So.
1: It's an interesting, I mean, that's, a, that is, uh, Bob said that your experience is a little atypical, but that is probably very relatable to many people is to be adjacent to uh glamor adjacent to something that goes big Uh okay and i don't know if i don't know if you guys wrestled you, you know you said it was an issue in the band but i don't know if you wrestled with jealousy if you wrestled with the type of uh like you know those motherfuckers can barely play has anybody seen them live <laughs> what the fuck is going on here which yeah. is like all stuff that goes through your head when you're watching something get bigger and bigger and bigger and like but i think that that's like an experience that a lot of people can actually relate to because it's very few bands that become these <clears throat> giants it, it just so happened that long island at that time was producing way more than anybody else but uh it's most of us in life just kind of uh, uh, like something uh, that truck goes by us at 80 miles per hour and and we go oh shit it's right, <laughs> you know? right. So, Absolutely. Uh, very relatable
5: yeah i couldn't agree with you more i mean i think that all <laughs> of us have been in a place and we know people like you said who have been through that i mean i and to answer your question the answer is yes i would be lying to you if i didn't admit that i mean that's that's kind of like partially the whole point of making this it's not to be like uh we deserved something more in fact i think that had we gone the route of signing to a major label and totally uh reshaping the band i don't think we would have made it past six months without imploding uh at that time uh because we just weren't built for that you know we we i don't think that we uh Ever we just didn't know. I mean, like I remember when Thursday got signed and blew up. I think you know, in Long Island, VOD was first, they were older, Glassjaw was like a year before us, and then movie life was kind of next, and then it was us. But I don't I think Thursday was the band that like blew the, the doors open where it was just like everybody was fucking becoming a rock star around us, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, right
2: but they would have made sense. I think they're a good comparison for Otmop just because. They were, like, the basement band that broke big. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, like, you know, like, brand new or fucking Tang Back Sunday weren't being, like, we're playing fucking DIY DIY basements for 10 years. But, like, (laughs) I think Thursday was the band that was, like, booking their own shows and, like, playing their own, you know, or booking shows in their basement and all sort of stuff. And then they just happened to take that next step. And that's what you guys were on the way yeah, to, you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's and You, I weren't, saying, you I was, weren't starting I was, the band to be like This is going to be it
5: Right, right. I do want to preface this so I don't sound like this Like bitter guy, which I'm not I, I was I, I, was jealous for sure uh, uh, My bandmates weren't That was the funny thing I was the only one in the band that wanted to get big When I saw everybody like Around me getting big The problem with us was that We didn't really talk about that stuff So I, I was kind of like uh, handling all the business stuff With the band and so I was dealing with the record labels the publicist the booking agent and handling all that shit and i was operating as if we were one of those bands without asking them if that's what they wanted to do which ended up kind of being ultimately the reason why it didn't work out because i talked to them now and it's so funny my, my bass player you know is like i never wanted that it was not something that crossed my mind and when people started becoming famous i i if anything was being turned off by the entire thing. Um, And, 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 and knowing the other guys in my band without them even telling me, I can kind of see that now. I don't think anybody in the band except for me and I'm the drummer. So it's like, I'm, what am I going to do it by myself? You know what I mean? So that was really a problem. We weren't on the same team.
3: And (laughs) and had you known you, you might've started looking at the band differently, you know, for, for whatever path that is, it's, it's awesome to see you be able to have that kind of, self-awareness and be able to reflect reflect like that you know what i mean just to know like hey my goals weren't aligned with those of everyone else
5: i mean it certainly didn't help that uh you know Tate Mac sunday who i am friends with and uh i, I i'm so happy for the success but at the time they came out with an album called where you want to be like a year later yeah uh, the word got back to us and we were definitely like um you know is that a tribute to us, or are we? Should we be angry? And again, it's it's been decades, and and I love those guys. Uh, it, it, I've I've never brought it up, but it comes up all the time, and uh, and that was, that was, so that was a little strange.
2: Yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm gonna leave a, a message on Eddie Reyes, his Facebook page right now, and be like, first of all, how dare you? Second of it all,
5: <laughs> I was in a band with Ed from Taking Back Sunday, so it's not like this like uh, weird thing. Before I was, it, but when I saw On the Might of Princess for the first time. I was in a band with Ed from Taken Back Sunday, and um, George, uh, General George recorded both the demos for um, Taken Back Sunday, Tell All Your Friends, and On the Might of is where you are and where you want to be, and we were playing shows together, and we were in the studio with Taken Back Sunday at one point, right. hanging out, so it was strange when, you know, after That's we right. played shows with them and spent time, like, a year later, we're in Europe, and someone's everyone's writing us to, like, Hey, you guys might want to check the internet, you know, like, like taking back Sunday has an album out right now. And, and I, we looked at it and we were like, what the hell? <laughs> and you okay. never asked. Something I would have been I'll, like, Motherfucker. Something, something I'll say about, about the way, the way things were back then is I don't want to say everybody was a pussy, but I kind of am like people had problems with each other, but yeah, unlike sure. the New York scene where like people dealt with shit in the street, there was a lot of shit talking that would go down and then you would like try to undercut the other guys like it <laughs> in like a sneaky kind of way, which is exactly what happened to us with drive through instead of just like confronting the guy. So, you know, I, I never really asked what I read interviews where they were asked about it. And they alleged that like, uh, there was a, their guitar player, Fred had said where you want to be in some context in a conversation. And their singer, Adam was like, Oh, it's a cool album title and that it, that it was a coincidence, but it's, it is bizarre. And, and, and I, yeah, I, I've spent time with them and I never asked
3: actually. <laughs> this is our call to them. Uh, you guys have, we, we've got some questions and we need some answers. So. Yeah, and precisely. I am an attorney and I will sue.
1: Yeah. There you go. <laughs>
2: um, yeah. And I mean, I think the one, you know, one of the things that we want to talk about too, is just even going back in time. Going to go back in time? Like yep. the random show, like cause you guys like there wasn't really a scene necessarily for exactly what you guys were doing at the time. Yeah, it was rough. But it, it was right. such a weird scene that like everyone fit in everywhere. Right. To yeah. me. I mean, you know what I mean? Like I remember like a big show that we played with you guys that you posted the flyer for, which is now 19 years ago, I think, or 20 19, I think. 19 years ago. It was it was on the Might of Princes, Every Time I Die most precious blood from arm to ashes. That's correct.
5: And it was us first. Every time I die was next. And then it was you guys, and then from Autumn to Ashes.
2: Yeah, and this was like definitely a from Modern to Ashes like show. It was like their first, like before they became like a fucking WSOU giant band, it was like their last big hardcore show, pretty much.
5: Right, right. They were not playing in VFW halls after that. After, right,
2: right. And they were like super nice and like they invited all the bands or whatever. The funny story, and I was told, I don't know if I told you this, but I was telling somebody else. So, like, when that flyer was going around, I'm like, here's a funny story, like in retrospect. So, we play the show um we we're friendly with the every time i die guys you know and they were like at the time they were just like they played everything
5: you know like they were just, yeah, yeah. Like, they're just my hardcore band from upstate as far yeah. as i was concerned yeah so
2: i'm talking to them and i was like you know fun show tonight and they're like yeah yeah you know they drove from buffalo from the show so from buffalo to garden city long island probably a nine hour drive <laughs> yes yeah, right so i was like you get taken care of and they're like meh i go what what would you get and he's like they're like 75 bucks Wow. And I was like, "Are you serious?" And then I go, so I bring I, the the promoter, wonderful dude, another passed guy away. passed away yeah. too. Really nice kid. I don't think he knew what the fuck was going on. I go, "How much you?" I knew, like I forget what we got, like five hundred bucks or whatever. I was like, "How much did fucking farm Dashe's get?" He's like, twenty two hundred and fifty dollars. I go oh my god they're going to give so they're going to hand some money over so I made them pay wow. every time I die like out of I, I was like full fucking Mike Dejean moment I'm like I'm going to walk to the ATM but the ATM is from a month ashes and you can hand them some money just when I think about like if I drove to Buffalo for 75 bucks I'd be like Fuck that really sucks. Like See, that we're gonna lose it.
5: too because we were we were we, we were kind of pussies about that. That's why it also we would show up to places and they wouldn't have our guarantee. And if I you know if I was the man that I am today, I would have fucking done a Mike Dijon. And be like, are you fucking kidding me? Let's walk to the ATM and I would be ready to fight. But uh, yeah. and it was definitely in, on my mind. But when you're in the middle of the country and you don't know where you are or who these people know, I mean, we played a show in Compton once that was like oh. shut down by the time we got there, and it's like you know we we're stuck. You know, shit like that would go down, but yeah. like, like I would go to a person that would be like, "Oh yeah, we were promised, you know, two hundred fifty dollars," and be like, "Oh yeah, we don't have that." And they're like, "Oh yeah," like it was like
2: this awkward. Yeah. What are you supposed to do? Yeah. I mean, case in point, indecision, silent majority, full indecision, silent majority, Millhouse, full U.S. tour, the flops of all flops. We did that now; it would be pretty okay. Sure. We literally a full summer. We got our guarantee once. Right, right, right. <laughs> Three bands, five hundred bucks. Three bands, five hundred dollars. Literally got it once in fucking Irvine, Bob, at UC Irvine. Shout out UC Irvine barn. at the barn. Yeah, yeah. Because it was a school show, and they had the fucking. So they money. had the budget. Yeah, literally, no one else in the entire United States of America could. We didn't draw five hundred dollars worth of money anywhere. So, and we wouldn't have been like, well, then we're taking this with us. Like it's like all right, I guess we made three hundred tonight.
5: All right. Yeah, yeah, that was
2: definitely the age
5: of like learning how to make money. I guess for everybody, like uh, bands with managers somehow showing up to uh to VFW. Balls.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, that's when you like the, like you said oh, the laments at the VFW. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. The resume on a rope.
3: So, Chris, this was awesome, and uh, so I want to make sure everybody out there, if you're not familiar with On the Might of Princes, get familiar. It's cool. great. Uh, we're going to keep an eye out, go get those last copies at RevHQ, HQ, you know, and we want to have you come yeah, back beautiful. on and, and do kind of a, a, a jam up with us. We do these mailbag episodes and they're usually pretty fun. So we'd love to have you join us for one of those.
5: Awesome. I, I appreciate this. Uh, I, I've been a big fan of the uh, podcast, so it's cool to, uh, to finally get on.
3: Chris, it's great to see you. Uh, it's been far too long. We we don't see many people these days. So uh, no. thanks for jumping yeah, on with a us.
1: Fact.
5: Yeah. One day I hope we can all hang out.
3: Yes sir. All right guys. Thanks, Chris.
5: Chris be okay. good.
4: Talk to you. Soon. too. stay Peace. safe guys. Take care. All right man. Be good.